0: Hey! Welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast, episode 167. I'm Graham, I'm here with Luke, Ritchie, and Cody. And we have Mr. Zach Savage on today. And honestly, Zach, I don't know a lot about you. You're one of terrible. Luke's minds.
1: Imagine being a co-host and not doing I'm, any me, fucking oh my God, research. <laughs> terrible, terrible, <laughs> bad guy.
0: You didn't even know oh he was, was LJ. I, I was, was going somewhere with it, and then you just blew it out of the water. <laughs> Uh, so Zach, where are you from? I know you do some pretty interesting ultra four racing car things. I'll let you talk about that cause I don't know exactly what you have. I think it's a forty four hundred car based
2: on your name, but uh, we'll yeah. see. Um, I hail, um I hail from like the Mecca of desert racing, um which everybody knows would be um, South Carolina. Um, <laughs> it's a lot' of, a lot of deserts. <laughs> Over here. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm in Greenville in the upstate of South Carolina. Um, I've got a 4400 car. We just raced hammers for the first time, and uh, it was. An adventure. Like I said it was an adventure.
1: Hell yeah! Sorry, I kind of cut out there. I do apologize. Uh, about that. You. But geez, so like, now is this your first official race, or were you doing some racing kind of on the East Coast to get yourself prepared for this?
2: No, 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 no. This was uh, this was the first one. Like, uh, I've been a in, wreck wheeler for a long time and um you know it's like i want to race so let's go to the super bowl of racing let's go uh you know to the unlimited division and you know kind of see how we stack up so um i kind of feel like anything worth doing is worth overdoing and uh this has sort of been uh, you know a whole bunch of that so we've just kind of overdone it
3: can we put that down as the understatement of the year (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah. let's let's kind of go
1: along the journey before we even got to the point of view racing what's how did you even Here get into
0: it he's gonna cook everybody again <laughs>
2: um so i started wheeling uh, really i built my first uh rock crawler in high school um and uh it was like it's been a minute um i graduated in '03, so this would have been like 2001 maybe all know. right
3: so there's hope it's not a cherokee
2: yeah, it was, uh, so it was a 1956 Willis. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, okay. I bought it Bought it off of uh, one of my parents' friends for 400 bucks, and the agreement we had when I put the money in his hand was like, hey, check it out, I'll sell you this, but under no circumstances are you to tell your parents that you bought this for me. And I was like, well, that's good, because I got some stipulations, and under no circumstances can you tell my parents that I bought this. Um, so we were in agreement there and, uh, there was a, a four wheel drive club, not too far away from me. And they rented out like this old, like church school gymnasium and they put duct tape squares on the floor and like you rented a square and that was, that was like your job space. So, um, I rented a square and then I would lie to my parents and tell them I was going to spend the night at a friend's house or whatever. And then I would just haul ass down to the shop. And work on this junker like, you know, all hours of the night, all night long, get up and go back to school the next morning. And that's kind of how it started. Um I had uh I'd gotten a car from my parents, my first car, and uh did like every, you know, sixteen-year-old moron and took it down to the power line. I was gonna hit some mud holes, and I did like four thousand dollars worth of damage to it. So uh the car got parked my parents were pissed they're like yeah you're gonna pay this shit off like we're not paying for this like you tore it up you fix it so i spent like i don't know all summer long um about a year i think you know working doing odd jobs saving up money to fix the thing and uh sort of somewhere in there in the middle i was like man i made this money i fixed the thing i could probably just buy something to go beat on for about what it cost me to fix this one." And, um, so that's sort of what I ended up doing.
4: Oh yeah.
0: That's, that's fucking wild. awesome.
4: <laughs> so how long did
0: you have this, um, Jeep before they, I, your parents figured it out or did so, you tell them or.
2: <laughs> yeah. So like back in the day, uh, my parents were, all, were always down for like, uh, um, like a Sunday drive. We'd kind of go do it as a family. And, uh, normally we would like head up to the mountains. We go to like Hendersonville, North Carolina or Asheville or somewhere, you know, up that way. Chile uh, is
3: beautiful. Yeah, like, dude, as far real, as the mountains around it, the city very, itself very sucks.
2: Much. Yeah, it's super. Uh, it's super hippy. You know, if you're into like patchouli and dirty barefoot hippies, uh, it's it's the jam. But um, I no, still like going I, up there and hanging out. They got a lot of like the food scene up there is awesome. I live right, right off, off of the Ocoee.
3: I don't uh-huh. need any more hippies. We call them river <laughs> hippies here. They literally drive around in buses with the tubes like ratchet strapped down and smokestacks coming out of the side. It's kind of cool, but it's also kind of grody.
2: You got like a river rat, yeah? (laughs) Like river river people are a whole different breed.
4: (laughs) I would agree with that assessment. (laughs) So sorry, um. So, what did
3: you end up doing to this Willie's?
2: Willis. Yeah, stretched it out, um, put tons under it, clapped out like probably 600,000 mile Chevy 350, uh, Turbo 350 transmission, uh, Dana 300, uh, put a cage in it, and um, yeah, leaf sprung. It was on um, stock. What was it? It was stock. YJ Leafs I guess Um, So yeah I mean it was a beater Like real piece of shit Um, But you know it kind of got me in the game And got me hooked And I had it until I went to Went off to college And at some point I had a guy offer to trade me a, A Yamaha R1 For it And I was looking at what I had invested in the Jeep versus what the Blue Book value was on the bike And I was like this would be dumb not to trade him. So uh, I traded and then sold the bike and was out of the game. Uh, I guess fast forward until like 2015.
1: I mean, honestly, that's a smart choice. Cause if you're a go fast guy, you know, you probably would have ended up dead or without a license. So it's probably a good call.
2: Yeah. Like I would have for sure died on that bike. Like no yeah. question <laughs> about it. Um, And I, I mean, I don't make the best decisions when I get, uh, you know, behind the wheel or the handlebars or whatever. Uh, so, like, I, it surprises me that I knew enough at that time to know that, like, yeah, I'll die on this, and I can't keep it for long. So, um, I got rid of it. Thankfully,
1: <laughs> good choice. Always good choice. So then, so how what? did that kind of yeah go ahead? Go ahead.
2: So, uh, two thousand fifteen. Um rolls around, and at that time I was shooting competitively. Uh, a lot of USPSA. Um, Oh hell
3: yeah, dude!
2: Yeah. So, um, I was traveling pretty much all around the country. Uh, doing you know shooting guns and um shot a lot of handgun uh, national championships. Um, had a had a really good time with that, and was really kind of starting to peak in fifteen, and went down to Frostproof, Florida, uh, for for the uh, Florida Open. Which I think is like the second biggest match of the year in USPSA. Um, usually, like Eric Grifell comes over from France. Like you pull in a lot of international talent. Um, like that's a that's a really good measure. You're going to have all the heavy hitters there. So, um, anyhow, was feeling great. Shot that match. Um, ended up third overall there, which was my my best major match performance ever. And Sunday morning, about mid morning. Uh, my neighbor texted me and said, hey, are you moving? And I thought that was odd, um, and I didn't get the text until like hours after he sent it. And I responded back, and I was like, no, why? And uh, he he was like, hey, sorry, none of my business. And, uh, you know, Uh that set off some some like, you know, I'm like, hmm, that's, That seems kind of weird, right? Yeah, that's
4: odd.
2: Yeah, so I call my dad, and I'm like, hey, I need you to go to my house. Call me when you get there. And my old man gets there. Phone rings. I answer it, and he's just breathing on the other end. And uh, I'm like, you know, hey, what's up? And he doesn't say anything. I'm like, uh, you know, what's up? And finally, just like, hey, I'm a big boy. Like, let me have it. So he informs me that uh, my wife had peaced out, took my kid, and – like, you know, empty house kind of situation. So that was a long nine hour ride home from Florida. Oh um, shit. Yeah, dude. It was oh. like, Yeah. So hey, this is one of those like redemption stories, right? Like like wheeling is uh it's redeeming, right? Therapeutic mm-hmm. or whatever. So mm-hmm. um come back, I ended up uh selling that house and uh like ended up with, you know, a chunk of change off of it. And I went down to Thomaston, Georgia to another friend's surprise 30th birthday party at his 11,000 acre farm down there. And all of those cats had just bought side-by-sides. And they're like, dude, you should buy side-by-side. And uh, I was like, nah, I'm not really into the side-by-side thing. Um, But I would get another rock crawler and it just so happened that one of the dudes that was at this birthday party is like oh man i can- i drove up through tifton georgia yesterday and there's this big badass rock crawler sitting out in front of a title loan place and um we went rode around the farm all night um definitely not shooting things at night um and you know drinking and carrying on like nothing like that happened for sure uh and the next morning You know, everybody wakes up, and me and my buddy Austin are, like, the only two kind of stirring. Everybody else's faces hurt. So uh, (laughs) I'm like, hey, dude, do you want to ride down to Tifton and see if we can find this rock crawler? And, you know, this buddy is, like, always down for the ride. So he's like, hell yeah, let's go. So we jump in the truck, roll down to Tifton, just riding around downtown Tifton, Georgia, which is not very big. And lo and behold, boom, there sits a TJ on 42s. Ooh. And there's nobody there. It's like Sunday morning. Um, we find it. We kind of stand at the gate and look at it. I think we went through like a Bojangles or something and grabbed a biscuit. We come back by, and a guy's coming out of the title loan place. So we pull in, and we're like, hey, dude, what's the story on that TJ? And he said, well, I got a loan on it, but it's a friend of mine if you're interested, I think he would sell it. Do you want me to call him? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's, I mean, yeah, let's let's see what he wants, you know? So, uh, old dude shows up at the title one place and he starts telling me about it. He was like, yeah, man, I traded a razor for it. And, uh, you know, I've had it for a couple of months and I just don't know that I'm like really into this and blah, blah, blah. He goes, it's got a Dana 44 front. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, that's a Dana 60. And, uh, and he's like, and, it, and it's got a 12 volt rear. And I'm like, that's a 14 volt. And, uh, you know, like homeboy doesn't know anything about what he's got. It was, that's already- scary.
1: This was his entry into wheeling that he just traded a razor for and He's like, man, yeah. I don't know if I really like it. It's like, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, you bought a fucking land yacht. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: it's on a uh, 42 inch I
0: um, well, no wonder he didn't like it. Yeah, no yeah, wonder. he didn't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, Hey dude, you know, what do you want for it? And he says, man, if you'll just pay my loan off, like I'll get rid of it. So I'm like, okay, what's that? He's like, I don't know. You have to ask the, the title loan guy. So oh we go God. inside and he comes up with a number on like what the payoff that day is. And I was like, bet. Okay. Except for we weren't planning on buying anything. I've got all this house money in my bank account. This is a total fucking impulse purchase. (laughs) Um, You know, this is like the decisions you make when you're going through some shit. Like, you know what? I should, this this totally makes sense. Like, reasonable. (laughs) I should buy this, (laughs) right? So, me and my boy Austin uh, pull out our wallets, and I think we've got like, two hundred dollars between us and i'm like hey man how many how many debit cards do you have and he's like oh i mean i got like my work account i've got you know like uh, this and that whatever and between us we've got a couple of cards that we can get money out of so we roll every atm in tifton georgia pulling out the max amount which i think was like 500 bucks (laughs) oh my god yeah i mean it's like stick in a card get 500 stick in the card get 500 stick in the card get 500 And uh, we got to roll to, like, a couple of banks to do this. Um, You know, now I'm sure they would, like, shut the cards off and call you and be like, Mm -hmm. hey, we've detected some fraud on your account.
0: Yeah, Um, you can't do that anymore. I've tried.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But in 15, uh, it turns out they would let you, you know, hit seven ATMs within, like, 45 minutes of of each other and pull out the max amount of cash. So we go back... (laughs)
1: You got no phone call whatsoever from the bank. No, this is no, 2015.
2: Dude, yeah. what? Yeah. I don't, I mean, maybe because it was like a Sunday, maybe people just weren't paying attention, you know? I don't know. Um, that, that's but crazy. yeah,
0: no, do still work on Sundays, that's true.
2: Yeah, so uh, we go back, I buy the thing, the guy gives me the title, the whole nine, and um, I'm thinking, man, this is gonna be a long ass ride home on like unbalanced you know, pretty shitty 42-inch IROCs. Um, and uh, and the guy's like, hey, I don't know if y'all are interested, but uh, I got a gooseneck trailer at my house I'm trying to sell. And Oh, my God. I, it's getting worse. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I'm not. But my buddy Austin's like, hell yeah, man, what you got? So we have to go back to the ATMs and get more money out. We go to Homeboy's house, and Austin buys his trailer. So, uh, we end up, you know, like on a whim driving down here and we go home with a Jeep and trailer. And, uh, that's kind of how I got back into wheeling. Um, so got home, took the TJ, uh, to like our local park, gulches, and, um, realized in about seven minutes off the trailer, this thing was just like jacked up bad like the shocks were trash. the suspension geometry was trash. um there was like some good parts there but it was very poorly done um so kind of the next couple of years was just fixing it getting it right making it better um set it up back halfing it front halfing it uh redoing um the four links front and rear putting it on coilovers Um, LS, uh, 700R4, Atlas, you know, all like just your basic, normal, run of the mill, mostly stock TJ. Mm -hmm. Very stock, very stock. Yeah. (laughs) Got got rid of the IROCs.
1: Ooh, what'd you go Um, with? Uh,
2: well, funny enough, uh, she was just my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, I think she was fishing for a diamond, um, just on a whim, surprise. Before we went out to Moab, uh present 42 inch trips. Oh, okay. And that's okay. I, single? That's when I knew like this girl's wife material. Like I'm I am i gonna wife her up. You know. Oh, so she's not <laughs> single
1: anymore, is what you're saying.
2: No, no, no. She's uh I've locked her down. She's uh oh, good call.
1: Good call. Yeah, yeah, good call. I uh
2: yeah, did the whole kid thing. I got the old uh the old HIPA lady baby. <laughs> 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 since we can't say, you know, some stuff, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. So like ended up putting on the trips and, uh, those tires were great. I loved them. Uh, they, they hooked up everywhere we went, um, immediately put them on. And when we went to Utah and wheeled the crap out of it, so that's fucking awesome. So what's,
1: what's up with you and like finishing something and then you're like, ah, eh, throw it to the fucking wolves. Let's go big and, in- Like, to the fucking balls of the walls. You're saying you finished this thing and then you went straight to Moab?
2: Yeah, well, okay, so I have a problem with that. Like, uh, all my friends hate it because it's like, all right, let's get a trip together. Like, you know, in six months, we're going to go wherever, or three months or two weeks, or it doesn't matter. And, like, generally about Monday of the week that we're going to leave, I'm like, you know what I should do is motor swap this thing. And then I end up spending, like, Twenty hours a day for a week working on it. I'm working on it on the trailer as we're pulling out of town, and then like when we get there, I got to do some stuff and whatever. Um, I don't know why, but I always end up doing like major projects before we go anywhere.
1: Yeah, we um, don't know anyone like that at all. Yeah. Have you? No, I- that's how. <laughs> how you- I- that's everyone in here.
4: Okay, that's-,
0: <laughs> that's how you get your. That's how you work on your shit. I don't know. That's just. That's, that's like the a same for all- a bunch of us. Yeah, it's yeah um i just i just feel like it gets with the deadline in place regardless of whether you're doing you know a major motor swap or whatever it may be you have a deadline and you'll make that deadline one way or another
2: every time time. yeah like we gotta go wheel i mean you can't not make it
0: yeah you've already got so much maybe not invested in the trip yet but you know you, you you you're expecting to go on this. You are people you're talking to. You're going on this trip. You're planning stuff for it. You're going now. You just need to make sure everything is set and the motivation.
2: Just exactly.
4: Comes
2: yeah. We uh, went on, um, they called it the more ultimate TJ adventure challenge. Um, a guy, a guy in Oklahoma, uh, Casey Mills was like, I'm going to invite, what he thought, I guess, was like the most badass TJs in the country. And I don't even think really, he didn't invite me directly. He invited uh, my buddy, Zach Curley, um, whose TJ I did a lot of work on. And then Curley was like, oh, well, if I'm coming, like Savage's got to come. And I sort of think that's how I ended up on this trip. But um, on that one, I was like, hey, listen, everybody, I'm not going to do anything. And they're like, yeah, right. I was (laughs) like, no, 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 seriously, I'm not. No major projects. Like I'm going to, I'm going to top off fluids. I might give it a quick nut and bolt and then that's it. I'm no major projects. And, uh, you know, my, my friend group's like, yeah, we'll believe that when we see it. So the day that I was going to drive it from my house up to my shop to, uh, top the fluids off, um, I get like halfway and it's like a 12 minute drive and the thing overheats and, uh, I'm like, shit. So we get it to the shop. I realize my fans aren't running. I said, well, okay, no big deal. Summit, order from fans. I'll be here tomorrow. I do that. I just thought the fans died. That doesn't fix it. Like, the problem gets worse. So I end up with, like, an electrical gremlin. So lo and behold, I'm, like, rewiring this thing the day that we're leaving. And they're like, yeah, bullshit. You're not going to do anything. You always have to do something. And I was like, yeah, but it wasn't my choice this time. Like, I didn't pick this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I ended up I bought like a entire Edelbrock like Pro Flow 4 kit that I put in the trailer and just hauled to Oklahoma with me and I'm like if this Bobo jack wagon bullshit that I just did doesn't work we'll just put a whole new harness and computer and everything in it like on the trail in the parking lot because that's when you should wire a vehicle for sure <laughs>
0: yeah, but well, wiring so, is one of those things you can do anywhere. So definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely.
2: Jeez how how was that trip? How'd it do? Uh dude, that trip is awesome. If y'all haven't been to Rugged Mountain Ranch, I highly recommend it. Um, uh, we have that... never
3: even heard of that place. Oh yeah, my God, I've heard
2: dude, of it. Rugged, I've heard of
4: it. Never been there. Obviously,
2: ranch is badass. They've got um, what state? Tech- so what? What state? Oklahoma. Okay. Oh, that's oh yeah. A, that's a little. Oklahoma had rocks. Like, when people <laughs> were like, hey, we're going to take a trip to Wheeling, Oklahoma, I was like, why? Like, I thought there was just like cows and cornfields. And they're like, no, 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 there's rocks. And then we got there, and uh, that place is super cool. Um, the dude that kind of figured it out, his name's Roland, and he's a badass. Um, but apparently he had like his crawler on his trailer in a, in a grocery store parking lot. And this lady just comes up to him and it's like, Hey, where do you take that thing? I've got a big farm. Like you should come check it out. And he went and checked it out and it was awesome. And they turned it into an off-road park. Wow. Um, wow. But like when you're riding Tackett Creek, it's like huge water holes and just massive ledges and you would think i mean like if you all wheel in the south you know if you go to if you go to Harlan and like there was rain in the forecast 6 months ago you know it's a mud hole and you're like bumping you know bumping at everything and banging rev limiter to get up you know all of the stuff right yeah. and uh i'm like the, okay uh, the old aop experience yeah i mean it's like back up and bump it like hit it with your purse like you got to want it right mm-hmm. and um we get out there and uh, i'm like okay my tire is in a water hole that's consuming a 42. And then I got to climb a vertical ledge, you know, that's eight feet tall. And you're thinking, there's no way that's going to hook. It hooked right up. Like the traction, everything was wet and the traction was still pretty unbelievable. Um, but like super hard technical wheeling, um, very cool place. Uh, I'd like to go back out there sometime, uh, whenever I can, I kind of get it in the schedule. Cause we had a blast and some of our friends, uh, Chuck and Mason Converse, um, they do some YouTube stuff. They came out, Chuck's, uh, TJ was broke. Um, so they just like filmed it and ended up, uh, putting like a YouTube video up on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, like super cool place. Um, I would, I would definitely recommend checking it out if you get the opportunity. Um, they it, got.
3: It's funny you bring that up. It looks gorgeous. I was, so I have seen that Chuck Converse video, yeah. and it's really funny to like put two and two together because I was creeping through your Instagram page while you're telling the story to like kind okay. of put everything together, and yeah. I'm like, I've seen this fucking rig, and then you say Chuck Converse, and I'm like, oh, okay. That That's that rig uh, Wow Okay Everything connects here That's yeah. wild
2: it, It's crazy how small of a world it, it really is And especially how small like, the wheeling world is Like Everybody kind of knows everybody Even if you don't know that you know um, Kind of the old joke Like You're like You know Hey do you know Bill And you're like No I don't know Bill And you're like Yeah yeah You know the dude He's like got like a 97 TJ It's black It's you know whatever You're like Oh yeah yeah I know that guy Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He's got the LS3. You're like, yeah, yeah, and he just put in gears. And you're like, yes, that <laughs> dude. <laughs> the ranch looks gorgeous, though, and they have a fucking swimming pool. So, the house up there, homeboy was a prepper, and he, he apparently died a long time ago, and I think it's been sold. But, um, there's, like, an underground doomsday bunker in it. And, um, yeah, like, it's, it's, like, uh, air purification, um, like the house runs like positive pressure, so that if there was like nuclear fallout, it you know you could like live in the house and not die or whatever. Hmm. Um, he had like underground tunnels that went out that nobody even knew about until um, they had some equipment out there to do some work, and they dropped like a bulldozer through dude's tunnel, like the weight <laughs> the bulldozer couldn't way- way- do handle it; it just drops in that's Um, like giving
3: my housing plans away
2: yeah yes (laughs) so uh you can go out there and stay in dude's bunker though like um, it's available to you know it's like a housing option they've got i think some camping down low but you can go up to that house and stay in it that's Um, fucking wild yeah it's pretty neat uh really i mean like we They've got the the bunker, and then they've got like another sort of like bunkhouse type thing beside it. We ended up staying in the bunkhouse thing beside it, but we we went in and checked out the bunker. He has like a a vault that was you know all his gun room and stuff. And uh, the story I heard was that it was all flooded out, and when they finally went down in there and got in the vault, it was like Barrett fifties and all this ammunition and I mean like homeboy had an arsenal and it was in like three feet of water and stuff was just rusted out. Like it kind of made my heart hurt when I heard it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a dude was ready. Like he was straight up ready to go.
3: So on the note, uh, I've been meaning to say this since a little while ago, but on March 30th, I am signed up for a PCS match, so it's kind of cool to hear that we're also talking to another gun nerd. Um, so that's exciting. I got to yeah. pick your brain at some point about that stuff. Not going to do it on air because, you know, I don't think that the listeners to an off road thing are going to be too crazy about that, but whatever. Um, I'd be
2: surprised how much overlap there is between, uh, like, guns and off road people.
3: Uh, I'm not at all surprised. It's it's quite funny. Um, But, you know. Yeah. So, sorry. Um, So you went out to tack it. Do you still have your TJ?
2: No. So that's a a whole other story. Um, We were... So the problem with working on crap is, like, all my friends convinced me that it's a good idea for me to work on their crap. And yep, that happens. Um, uh, <laughs> and every single time it happens, I'm like, I will never do this again. And then the next time somebody wants to do something, I don't it know. It happens I'm, a week later. Yeah, I'm like such an idiot. I'm like, yeah, that does sound cool. It'd be it's well, very relatable. That. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so relatable. Yes. <laughs> we're working on uh, a friend of ours wanted to do a, well, you know, and like mission creep, right? Like we were just gonna do body mounts on a uh 47 CJ2A. Um, it was like his grandfather's he bought it was a 46. He bought it new in Arizona, like this thing only its its whole life, all it did was carry a little boat from the house to the river so like grandpa could fish. Um, and anyways, our buddy in South Carolina ended up with it. Um it had some rot and all, and he's like, you know, I just want to fix it up just so it's kind of drivable or whatever, and that turned into like a full frame-off restoration, um, and the thing ended up super nice, but it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, me and my buddy Croft are in here working on it, um, and I do all this in the back corner of my cabinet shop, so um, by day, uh, I do a commercial and residential cabinetry, and just in the back corner of my building, I've got my torchmate plasma table and I got a two-post lift and my bender and my hand plasma and like all of sort of my play tools. Um so we're back here working and Croft's sitting on my table saw and I'm wiring something up and he's just scrolling his phone. He's like, hey man, here's a kid on Facebook looking for a built TJ like yours. And I was like, Cool. And uh he's like, it seems like he's got a pretty healthy budget. I was like, yeah, cool. And uh he goes, Uh I'm going to post a picture of your shit. I said, whatever. So like six 30 in the morning, I wake up and I've got like 80 text messages from this kid. He had responded to Croft. Croft had given him my phone number and he was just, he had like a million questions about the, the TJ and it wasn't even on my radar to get rid of it. Like I wasn't, I had zero plans to sell it. And uh, basically he made me an offer. I couldn't refuse. So, uh, this guy flew from Utah. His dad flew from Florida. I picked them up at the GSP airport, drove them to my shop. We walked in, they worked, they looked at it for like 30 seconds. And the dad was like, how hey, do you want me to make this check out? I was like, mm-hmm. uh, I do. Do you, you want to like drive it? He's like, no, I don't think so. I'm like, <laughs> uh, do you, like, how about do you want to do you want to start it? You hear it run? And he was like, I mean, I don't know if you want to. So like I crank it up and we're standing there talking and like looking around at it. And apparently the son's got a one-ton rig in Utah. And the dad has like a pretty basic uh JK on like 35s. And dad couldn't keep up with the son and the son's friend group. So after their last willing trip, he was like, Find me something I can keep up with y'all in. So um homeboy writes me a check and He's like, hey, man, you know, whenever it clears and you're satisfied, let us know and we'll have a transporter pick it up and haul it out to Utah. So like I went from zero intentions of getting rid of my crawler to like five days later, it's on a trailer headed out west. (laughs) And Um, I was like, well, I always wanted to build a race car i've always wanted to race and like this is the catalyst this is you know like here we go and that kind of started the race car journey so Uh, what did you go
3: with for a chassis did you build it all yourself or
2: no so what i did um you know i'm i'm like into bentech like i've built a bunch of cages i've had a chassis drawn for a long long time that i wanted to build and, um, I was like, man, I don't, you know, like, based off of all of the rigs I've built to this point, you know, I mess around with the four link calculator, and, you know, I, like, uh, every car we've done has been a little bit different. Like I've, you know, at this point i've I've done uh, you know, a handful of crawlers and stuff, and it's like, all right, well, this one is good at this, but it kind of sucks at that. So I'm going to change like the anti-squat or, you know, like whatever. I'm going to like massage it around and then see how that is different. And progressively they've all gotten better. And then we've gone back and redone some stuff on them and, and stuff. But I'm looking at a race car and I'm like, man, I kind of want to buy somebody's geometry. Like I don't know that I want to put this much energy and effort into just what I think, um, based off of crawlers on something that, you know, I intend to go 130 miles an hour across the desert in. So, um, I got with, uh, Lee Ravenel, uh, from partially committed. And, um, he told me the whole time, like, you're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. And I was like, no, that's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. And he kept telling me like, you're like, he tried to talk me out of it and I didn't listen. So I bought his chassis and um, I got it to the shop, put it on the chassis table, got to looking at it, started figuring out what I really needed for up travel in the rear. And I was like, man, I can't get it. So I ended up cutting it off from the B pillar back um, and, and redoing it all back there. And then when I started laying out the front, I'd really been toying with the idea of a leading arm car. Um, I don't know if y'all have seen that 4800 car that uh, Cade Rod built, uh, like Jimmy's um, Jimmy's off road. Uh, the Jimmy's not Jimmy's in uh, Kentucky or whatever, but like Jimmy's in out west. Um, mm-hmm. His his son, um, Randy Rod's son, Cade. Um, he built a 4,800 leading arm car that was sick. Like, uh, the thing hung with 4,400s on a single shock in a couple of races. Like he was, he was racing in a single shock 4,800 car in 4,400 and was like podium. And like, wow, it was killer. So the more I looked at that, I'm thinking, man, okay, I can't afford an IFS car and really don't want an IFS car. Cause I'm gonna primarily wreck wheel this thing. It's just gonna be like a part time race car. Um, <laughs> My, so, how
3: things have changed.
2: <laughs> yeah, hey, seems yeah. <laughs> seems things have changed a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, the best laid plans, right? So anyhow, I'm like, I don't really, I don't understand ifs. I don't, I, you know, I'm too dumb to do the math on ifs. Like, where would you even start with that? Like, no desire to do that at all. Like I'm a I'm a East Coast solid axle guy, right? But um, you know I'm looking at like, well, but how could you still be competitive with a solid axle car? And obviously, like the Miller Motorsports chassis um, are super competitive. The Bombers chassis um, somehow, uh, you know, that car hasn't changed in forever, but like it still like just rips. Um, so I'm I'm like looking at it and I'm like, man, if you do a leading arm car, I can get as much or more travel out of the front as most of these chicken wing cars. Right. Um, but I'm still on a solid axle and it kind of bridges the gap. So I'm like, man, you'd still be as fast in the rocks as a solid axle. And then you're going to be somewhere in between a traditional shock on axle car and an IFS car in the desert. So I'm like the IFS guys were just going to be just a hair faster than me, but then, you know, I should still smoke them in the rocks um you know and get 50 degrees of steering where they're steering like 35 degrees and all that and uh you know it made sense to me i'm like i can wrap my head around that math um so that's what i set out to do and as i start trying to package it i realize i'm gonna have to cut this chassis from the a pillar forward and redo the whole front end so um i joke around that it's like I don't know, at this point, it's maybe 50% a PCR chassis and 50% a me chassis, or maybe, maybe 66, 33, I, I don't know, like, I don't know what the percentages are, but um, we, uh, at this point, we share ownership of what kind of chassis it is, I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome, I mean, the car looks absolutely sick, and it sounds like it did amazing, so I don't think you did any wrong, no matter which way you cut that cat. Well, thank you. Thank you. getting the cat part of me.
2: <laughs> I was lucky. Um, I don't know if y'all know uh, Cole Mackey, uh, RCM Fab. He builds a thick, thick Um And I started out trying to buy his. Um, Cole was on that um, rugged mountain trip with us. And uh, his car's sidehill better than anything I've ever wheeled with. Um, they're nasty so I was able to sweet talk him into coming up a couple of days and uh, going over all my math with me and you know looking at stuff and we mocked some things up and um, you know he made sure I didn't do anything stupid from a, a suspension geometry standpoint and then I was in the rookie program and that opened the door to uh, really meeting, you know, some straight up badasses in the ultra four world, um, including Wayne um, from Alltech Motorsports, who's you know regarded as like one of the premier shock tuners in the country. And we hit it off, and Wayne was like, "Yeah, I'll help you out." And the whole build, I would send him—I mean, like pages and pages of handwritten math problems. And he would fire back and be like, how did you get this number? And I'd tell him and he'd be like, okay, that's, that's the right number. You're getting there a little bit different than I normally get there, but like, yeah, that'll work. Um, and then, you know, it's like, Hey, you need to shoot for this motion ratio. We want this shock shaft frequency. Um, he kind of like gave me these parameters that I needed to hit. Um, so then I just sort of like backed my way into the math, if that makes any sense. It
3: does. Um there's a lot going on and I'm trying to keep up but <laughs> sorry. It's it, no that's that's the good shit. Um <laughs> So when you're talking about the frequency on the shaft for the shock tuning, is that literally just like when you are running through the desert, the speed at which it is basically like oscillating?
2: Yes. And there there are frequencies that are basically tunable and like they they behave predictably and if you get inside that range uh you know these guys that are and i'll be honest with you i think uh shock tuning is straight up witchcraft like yeah that, that falls into like how automatic transmissions work like i don't know you you like hopes and dreams badges, go yeah, in dude. yeah i don't i have no idea how that works um so uh i know
3: you're saying you don't have any clue how that works but what causes Untunable frequencies. Because you'd have a better idea than I
2: would. So I think that the the further towards the chassis you're mounting the shocks, um uh like the frequencies changing and you have to get into such heavy spring rates to support the weight that it becomes like less predictable. Okay, Uh, Okay. There's a sweet spot in there. Um, with the motion ratio where like if you land in that sweet spot uh, you don't have to worry about you know having so stiff a spring that um, uh, you know it's like fighting the motion of the axle and then you're not you have so like light a spring that you've got you know cool bond or whatever so like there's a there's a area there that you're a target that you're trying to hit um, that's like the happy medium um, all right that's you, kind of
4: yeah.
3: That kind of makes sense, so now I'm like, without throwing too much of your competition info out there, are you running the shocks, like, angled in a little at the top to help cheat that, or are you trying to run them
2: straight up vertical? So, basically straight up vertical at full bump. Okay. Oh! Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can be, according to Wayne, you can be plus or minus 10 degrees, um oh, but man. ideally you're at 90 at bump. Um, which I am at 90 at bump in the rear, and I think I'm at like 2.8 degrees in the front. That's pretty so, good. I got as close as I could get. Like it's uh the the one thing if you ever get to look at any ultra four car, especially the 4400s like you, you start building chassis and you're like, hell yeah, man, this thing's roomy as shit. And then you start putting stuff on it. And you're like, there is no room in this thing at all. Like, where in the <laughs> hell am I supposed to put anything? Um, so, like, packaging is a nightmare. And I did not realize how bad it would be until really, I mean, it was like, this kind of sucks. And then it was like, man, this sucks a lot. And it was like, holy shit, this is terrible. And it just kind of got worse and worse and worse the more stuff we put on the car. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I, like, it, it kind of... Sort of sometimes like the packaging dictates uh, where things are going to go, and you know every rock crawler is a compromise, right? Like everything, yeah. You're you're just trying to do like the lesser of two evils everywhere, and hope that when you get done, um, you know you've won more than you've lost, and the thing works.
3: So like I'm listening to all of this, and I did the four link on the back of the Cherokee. It's nowhere. Like, I'm realizing that I built it fairly well, but it's not like at any high level. Um, And I ended up hitting a point where I had to kick the lower mounts out as far as I could towards the edge of the uh, wheel mount surface in order to get clearance for the frame rail without going excessively into the. Cabin area, and so like at bump, I'm sitting somewhere around I want to say like 20 degrees of angle on the shocks. Okay. And just it's weird to hear the differences with the race car shit.
2: Yeah, well, and but but see, it depends on what you're doing with it. Like right on a crawler, you know, if you're if you're going to go to like Windrock or Harlan or something, and you don't have any intentions of going 100 miles an hour, like it maybe doesn't matter. Like if it works good in the rocks, right? Like rock and roll teddy um, it's
3: honestly fine up to about 70 and then i run out of uh nuts because yeah
2: dude i didn't realize how big of a limiting factor nuts was gonna be
3: uh it's it's quite limiting poor cody here was riding with me at um uh, roush creek and we were coming out of the trail system we were in high range third gear banging limiter on the way back trying to get back to camp before they shut the gates and there was a couple of uh moments where we were both questioning things
2: yeah well but i got to i got to ride um the first year so i did the rookie thing twice um i didn't finish the car the year before last so dave cole was nice enough to let me do it again and um the first year we were out there i got in the car in a 4800 car with matt bradley and he's got some of those uh phil Licardi long shocks it's like they put a coilover over and a bypass together like end on end yep, yep. msc uh
3: clark runs those and those things are fucking
2: massive they're insane they're like as tall as i am and he just put he just put like they're either 40 or 45 kings on the back of it they're the only set in existence and uh i mean these things are retarded big but i'm telling you they're like six feet long and um (laughs) that car is stupid fast And it's kind of funny because we get in there and they had just done like two hours on safety. And they're like explaining to us how the harnesses should fit, um, you know, head and neck restraint stuff, like how the seat needs to fit you, all these angles and stuff, like super technical safety things. And uh, everybody's like throwing out these stories of like, you know, how so-and-so broke their back and then whoever burned up in a car. And, um, you know, it was just like, like, here's the horrors of racing. And then they're like, hey, we're going to take a little ride up to figure mountain. Um, you know, just a nice little cruise. We're going go to go show y'all where remote pit two is. We're going to go up there. We're going to watch the sunset. And I'm like, OK, that's cool. So um, we're going to leave. And, you know, I just met this guy. And and Matt's super cool. He helped me out a lot this year at Hammers. But um, uh, you know, he had an empty seat. I'm like, hey, man, can I jump in with you? And he's like, yeah, no problem. So I climb in and I'm like, hey, uh, where's my crotch strap? And he's like, oh. I had a chance to put that in yet. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I'm, like, putting the, the shoulders on, and I'm like, uh, I think these are too low for me. And then I'm in a borrowed helmet that's too small, and I don't have on a Hans. And I'm like, it doesn't matter, though. We're just taking a leisurely sunset cruise. So we get in the car, and we go about 20 feet, and then Matt just starts banging rev limiter, stepping off out of Boone Road, like, hitting four-foot whoops at 70 miles an hour. And I was like, this is how I die like right here this is gonna be it we're gonna wad this car up these belts don't fit me like <laughs> like the shit was kind of scary like straight up i was like i don't i don't know if i'm ready for this um and uh i think it was just all of the uh all like the 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 horror stories i guess that they had just got done telling us but uh i came back and i was like i was like this is no joke like it's for real like um yeah, you really got to want to be in that car um, because it is violent. It's a lot more violent than I ever imagined it would be. Um, and then like it's gotten easier every time. And then there's also sort of this factor of like when you're not in control, you know, like when you're behind the wheel, I don't know if like y'all have ever ridden like the back of a motorcycle or whatever, but like for me, if I'm driving it, you know, I'll drive the shit out of it. And and have a blast, but like when I'm riding and I have zero control over what happens, I don't love <laughs> I don't love that so much.
1: <laughs> um, really? You, so, you, I mean, like you're so you're, you're even saying as a passenger, you like you like not being in control. No, 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 no. As a passenger, oh, I don't okay. like it because I
2: have no control. You're just over yeah, there. You're along yeah. for the ride. You know what I mean? Like, um, and and it's like I say, it's a lot more violent than I thought it was going to be. Um, and it's gotten a lot better every time that I've done it. But I came home from that first rookie ranch experience, like, holy shit, like this is wild. Um, and and kind of had that like, you know, oh, I need to look myself in the mirror and decide if this is really something I want to do. And <laughs> it took me like five seconds to be like, yeah, hell yeah, I do. Um <laughs> but um uh, yeah, I mean, uh this past rookie ranch. Um, I got to ride with uh, Chuck Crossland in his 4800 car, which is also a Liberty Mountain chassis, Phil Licardi, you know, long shot car. And Chuck doesn't know anything but rev limiter. Like Chuck has two speeds on and off and same deal. It was like, yeah, we're just going to kind of go cruise around. And Chuck's like, like hell we are. We're going to go just rip this thing off the off the rails. Yeah. and then uh, after riding around with Chuck for a couple of days and kind of getting acclimated, I ended up getting in the car with another rookie, uh, A.K. Watley, um, who's got a Bronco that's the twin to Vaughn Gettin Jr.'s Bronco.
3: But does he and, shoot A.K.'s?
2: Uh, hey, he's a, he's a military vet. I bet he shoots a little bit of everything, if I had to guess. I mean, with a name
3: it, like that, though, he's got to shoot A.K.'s.
2: He needs, like, a, like a drug cartel, like, like gold-plated AK with some engraving and stuff in it. Like, if I was him, like, that's how I would show up to the range every time.
3: I mean, that's just a vibe. Get the whole Sicario thing going. For sure. Sorry, For sure. didn't mean to distract too far. No, but no, no. It no. was just too good of an opportunity to pass yeah. up, especially um, as an AK guy. Oh, oh you're,
2: are you an AK guy? That's why yeah, we were um, talking about rubles earlier or whatever. No. That, uh, <laughs> it, it gets brought up routinely. We're talking about but, the exchange yeah. rate of... <laughs> yeah, what's the exchange <laughs> rate of <it>? an <laughs> AP? <laughs> um, well, now I get it. Now I get it. Yes. But, yeah, getting in that car, um, that's the first time I jumped in an IFS car, and, you know, those, those cars are like next-level spaceships, right? And... um We get in, and uh, he starts ripping, and as you're going down Boone Road, uh, there's all of these like washes, not washes, but like all of these like roads off to the side of Boone Road that are like, you know, three and four foot whoops. There are various, you know, degrees of rutted out, and we're just scooting like 80 miles across them. Well, then you get to the wash, and if you're on the gravel road, there's a bridge that goes over it. Um, or, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, party, you stay stepped out and you ride, you know, the, the whooped out road across the wash and we're coming up to that thing. And I'm like, all right, he's going to start slowing down. He, yeah, he's, he's going to start slowing down. He's going to, Oh my God. Like he's not going to slow down and he just grabs uh, another gear and away. Oh you go. my god, Like he never touched brakes. We ripped the wash at like 83 miles an hour. And I was thinking like. I'm going to tell my chiropractor about this next week for sure. Like, um, there's definitely going to be a, a conversation cause I'm about to feel this in my spine and <laughs> felt nothing like we, it was like, like right on a cloud of titties. We just zipped right through it. And, um, I was thinking, you know what?
3: That's making it into the wow. show description.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so I was super impressed. Uh, with that car. And that was kind of an eye-opening experience that like, okay, you know, if you're, if you're tuned right and you're really dialed in, like what these cars will do is insane.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. It, I think it's, it's really unique to get like, go from like something like Luke's rig when I was in the passenger seat to then seeing even just video alone and trying to like comprehend the difference It's it's mind blowing. Like the ability that these some of these rigs have, whether it be ifs or solid axle front, is just it's fucking nuts. For sure.
3: Like I'm just gonna throw out there, my rig boogies as far as like a normal trail rig. That thing, it rides fairly well. It looks like
0: it should not go as fast as it can. It's not a. Like, I don't know, I, an ultra four car looks like it should be fast. Yours doesn't look like it should be (laughs) fast, but it handles it pretty good.
2: Dude, that's kind of, that's kind of how we started out wanting to go fast to begin with. So, you know, I don't know how often y'all get to go wheel, but I don't get to go wheel enough, right? Like, um, a handful of weekends a year if I'm lucky. So if you go to like Windrock or Harlan or AOP or wherever, and, um, you, you've got like a weekend to run a park if you want to hit all of the big obstacles, you got to be shitting and getting between them. You know what I mean? Like you Mm -hmm. can't, you can't go ride five miles an hour up the the dirt road and see anything at one of those parks. So So that's,
3: that's one of the weirdest things. And like, I'll say that as far as a group goes, Graham and myself probably get out seven, eight, 12 times a year.
4: Okay. Somewhere in there
3: pretty quick. Yeah.
1: Um, it, it, it to depends to on the so year. much more back in the yeah. day. Oh my God. It, it's kind of crazy too that now. It's and we talked about this before with like drifting and stuff is like once you get to a certain point the amount of seat time that you actually get to be in the rig is just so much smaller a because you're planning bigger trips so you don't want to go to the small local park and beat the shit out of it before you go to like you know cross country and nope. it's just it, it's kind of crazy but it's also almost more exciting because you're not stuck seeing the same shit every single time you go wheeling which is kind of nice. Definitely but yeah. it's definitely it's it's crazy to think like shit back in 2018 2019 how much we were out fucking wheeling yeah. and now it's like great and again i haven't wheeled in fucking forever because i'm a piece of shit but you know i will say in general everybody apart for the course that we haven't been out 20 was the wildest
3: season that we wild. were 2019 and 2020 we were out every other weekend and the in-between weekend was spent on, like, ripping uh, motors and stuff out and swapping them. I think it was Kish, Cody, and myself put a 4 in my Jeep in eight and a half hours from pulling into the shop to driving it to Massachusetts and back to Connecticut
1: as a test drive. 4 Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it, it's it's just crazy it's crazy to think about see we should just i don't know it's it's you know and then now we have graham who's on stickies that are balder than shit well they're not that bald. let's be fair i guess you know they do but not for road use and that's the thing that i was kind of getting at is like he used to he used to drive that thing around and now it's just i'm going to get does now that's crazy
0: i already i have three (laughs) razors i'm going to retrieve my fourth one and get three other ones, so I'll have plenty to go around and swap the stickies on and off. I just need to get another set of rims.
1: I was going to say, okay. we swap at the beadlocks every time? You go to need a lot more beads, brother. <laughs> uh, you know,
2: and it's also... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no you, you got it.
3: Um, it's funny that this year's goal, uh, now that I've fallen in with Logan, Bryce, other Logan, and all of them in this area, dude, my goal is, like, Just duct tape and bailing wire my piece of shit back together and get out to those local parks as much as I can. But I guess, like, I'm kind of cheating because I'm in the middle of Harlan, Windrock, and AOP. So, my local parks aren't any complaining. Or there's no complaining about them.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Harlan's like three hours for me. Um, I think Windrock is like four hours and AOP is like Four or four and a half, something like that. So How that's far are usually, you from Roush? Uh, I have never been to Roush, so oh, I don't really well, know.
3: Yeah, if you would like to come on up, we are going to be having a ride there on
2: Labor Day weekend. That would be awesome. I'm super bummed that they're not doing the Ultra Four race at Roush this year. Uh, I like before the ultra four season and i'm like trying to circle the calendar on races that i think i'm going to hit that one was like for sure definitely will be there and then it's not happening this year i'm like well damn
3: that sucks (laughs) sucks. yeah um
0: why isn't it happening any idea
2: um there was some drama earlier this year with like uh you know dave sold Uh, Ultra 4, I guess it was like Ultra 4 USA, he kept King of the Hammers and sold the rest of the series to the people that own Mid-America Outdoors. Oh, this whole
0: thing, yep. yep. Yeah,
2: and then I don't know like the Mid-America Outdoors people like weren't gonna put on the series this year or something and there was a whole bunch of back and forth and Dave's like, I'm taking it back and so I think it's a little bit more of an abbreviated race schedule this year. Um, then there has been in years past. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not on there, which blows. And then what really sucks, you know, they raced at AOP for a decade. And then like, as soon as I get in the game, they're like, no, we're not going to go to AOP again. Like, well, what the shit, you know, like that was, that was gonna be real close to the house. Mm. So, and I love AOP and I love those trails. And like, I've got, you know, that's some territory that I know, like, I'm like, I hope they race up, you know, Little Caesars and Cream Pie. Like, I can hit that shit. Oh,
1: that'd be a hell of a thing to race up. Dude, that would be nuts. Yeah. I, I can't <laughs>
2: imagine, like, a bunch of, you know, thousand horsepower cars just ripping up Cream Pie. Like, that That would be, it'd be fun to watch, but the carnage would be insane. I
1: was going to say, talk about the the pile up, too. Just people waiting to go for their try on it. That'd be nuts.
2: Oh, and then they'd just be driving over each other. You know, it's like... uh uh you know if you're if you're on the if you're on the race course like your traction like I'll just drive over <laughs> you you know like people just be <laughs> driving over everybody it would be a hell of a show. I don't know if the race would be worth the damn or not, but like the live stream would be pretty cool.
1: Oh that would be exciting for sure. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so we, we do host a uh, little ride. Like we go there and, you know, invite people to come and hang out with us for the weekend. And it's uh, Labor Day weekend or Memorial Day, whatever day is in okay. September. Labor First day. weekend of September. And it's, uh, it's a damn good time. You know, should that'd definitely be, come out awesome. and uh, hang out yeah, and not
2: I would love to. If you're I'm, looking for um, an excuse. You know, you don't have to twist my arm super hard. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I have... Go ahead. So while we're on the note of
3: uh, Ultra 4. Richie yeah. and myself's introduction to Ultra Four was actually at Roush. Um, okay, we were just up there for a event um, with a club called SIS Off Road, and they don't exist <laughs> anymore. But a fucking Miller car just comes ripping up the road and pulls in, goes in yep. haze, and then like hits heads out to the trails just bombing out and like we're sitting there looking at the thing while they're paying and we're like yo that's fucking cool and then we go back and talk to some of the guys and they're like oh yeah that's the millers they race ultra four and away we went and we were like fuck what 18 at the time 19 at the time Yeah,
1: yeah i was 18 you were 19
3: Never seen anything like that before. And then all of a sudden, this dude just drives a race car up the road into the bark. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I love those cars. I my dream actually was to have a Miller chassis. And uh man, I like I tried to hit them up. Um, I think the Blylers are uh are building those chassis now, maybe for Eric. And I tried to hit up the website, I tried to hit them up on Instagram, I tried to hit up the Blylers um john grounds uh is a guy that's racing one of those um from out west um and i had talked to him a pretty good bit and i was like man i'm gonna like i tried to get like they would not hit me back and uh i was like man i like i just want y'all to take my money I, i love your race car um but i never i never could get anybody to get up with me um so, you know, I ended up going uh, a completely different direction on building my car, but dude, I love those Miller cars. I think they work phenomenal. Um, They're just like so
3: them. fucking sexy.
2: Yeah. And like it's a East Coast guy, it's a solid axle car. Um, you know, like that's like that's like the core of what I think rock racing really is supposed to be. Like that's a, if you're a purist, right? Like that's kind of the bread and butter of of you know, a pure rock racer. Um, he's kind of the gold standard. Um yeah. in, in my opinion.
3: Uh have you ever seen any of like the heavy metal concepts videos on the oh, dude?
2: Are you serious? Like, um when I'm having a bad day, like that's what I use to pick myself up. Um I probably watched those heavy metal concepts videos like a million times. And yeah, they're killer. That's, that that's got, who we were at Roush with yeah, okay, I got to meet that guy this year at hammers. i um I ended up sharing a garage with a k. and I guess he was doing um you know one of his heavy metal concepts videos for the Haver guys. And he came over to the tent and um ended up, you know, I mean, he wasn't there for me. Um, he uh, you know, he was like looking at the Bronco and they were talking about their shooting and all that kind of stuff. But I got to meet that guy. Super cool dude. Um, will is him. an
3: awesome dude.
2: I was like, hey man, this is your fucking fault. And he was like, what? And I was like, i <laughs> $100,000 worth of debt because of you. Thanks a lot, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so he was. He'll never go to college because of you. All right. Thanks a lot.
4: So he
3: was part of that original group and like. Um, he used to do all of that group's photography and whatnot that I was talking about earlier. And so that's how we met him. And um, one of the coolest videos that I have found is on SIS Off-Road YouTube. And it's like the Harry's run at the Crawl Daddy challenge. So he took all of the equipment that he was using for the 4,400 cars. Now, granted, this is going back to 2015 or 16 here. But um, he took a video of our. they had a silly race that was going up Crawl Daddy. And like that video just constantly plays in the back of my mind as a like, yeah, you got to go actually work on stuff cuz you watch this in person and like we got to hit that level of photography at some point.
2: It's unreal. I mean like he's got cinematic masterpieces, right? And like mm-hmm. uh they're inspiring. Um you know, I don't want to say that they that they get me hard, but they definitely a little <laughs> bit of a chubby. They might, you know. I would Look,
1: were you just shit talking my photos? Did I just hear that right? I think I. You don't like my photos? That's
3: no,
2: it's not. I I don't think that it was that. It was uh, they weren't good. Are you you (laughs) saying I'm not doing social media well? No, I'm the
3: jackass that does the social media. I'm the one that's fucking that up. So, like, I'll take the blame there. What I'm saying
0: is that
1: that's not
3: to
0: say you're still not fucking the photos up, Cody.
1: God dang it, man! I tried (laughs) my best. All right.
0: (laughs) No,
3: he brought out like. legit camera gear and they were like it's a well put
1: together for the time i think in 2016 1080 was like the shit so oh okay i gotcha i gotcha i mean we can i mean shit if somebody wants to you know sponsor the podcast get us some money we can get a nice camera i'll take the video i got you
3: yeah we uh, definitely yeah. gotta get on that at some point but you know that's a little bit down the road
1: yeah, we can, yeah. you know, next year next year definitely <laughs> but- for next year
2: my buddy that um, that helped me accidentally sell my TJ, um, he works at a marketing company. And whenever they ended up – so, like, I was going to build the race car before the whole rookie program thing came out. And my intentions were to build a 4,800 car. And, um, you know, like, COVID – How the hell couldn't... do
3: you trip and fall into 4,400? Dude, like, it's a wild
2: story, right? Like, uh, so, I was going to build a 4,800 car. That was the intention. I started out like I accidentally sold the crawler. Um, I'm I'm trying to like order shocks, and I had basically been told um, for three O internal bypasses, king or nothing. And uh, I said okay, and I started trying to get some, and I was you know like COVID supply chain bullshit. Uh, they're like meh, sixteen months. And I'm Whew. like well. I like, but I want to race next year. And they're like, well, sorry. Like, you know, it's going to be like maybe 14 months, but like 14, 16, it's going to be a while to get some shocks. And, um, I, you know, I didn't want to do that. Well, then they announced the rookie program. And when it first came out, they were going to pick one person that was racing 4,400 only and they were going to like follow their journey to the hammers, like the they were going to send a film crew like to your shop. It was going to document, you know, you building the car, like you getting out there, like all of the stuff that goes along with that. And um, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, I don't want to wait 16 months for shocks. Um, I'm I'm looking at like, well, you know, I can get you a, a five two bypass and a carrier in like four to six weeks. I'm like, okay, well, that sounds pretty good. And this rookie program is just, is just 4,400. I'm like, shit, why not? Like, I'll do it. Like, let's order some shocks. So that's kind of how it all started. It was like basically on shock availability and the fact that the rookie thing was going to be one person, 4,400 only. And um, I ordered the shocks. And there was like a, a interview process for it, and you know I kind of gone through some of the rounds and all that. And they're like, "Hey, get on it this day and this time." And I'm thinking like, "This is gonna be it. This is gonna be like when they're gonna tell me like I'm the guy, right?" And um, I get on the Skype call, and I'm like, "Why is there 27 other people on this thing?" And uh, <laughs> I'm, th- I'm thinking, I'm like, "Well, maybe these just got like a bunch of like crew or something, you know? Like it's uh, whatever." And and then they uh sort of announced that it was gonna be for all classes and that they couldn't pick one person and they were gonna let the like all 27 people in. And uh oh. I, was, I was like, shit, I just ordered like fourteen thousand dollars worth of shocks off of <clears throat> off of this whole forty four hundred thing, and I could have just, you know, could have got some some three oh internal bypasses and and raced, you know, forty eight hundred. But at this point, like I was, I was kind of already sold out and I was I was like, I'm going this route no matter what. And, um, that program ended up being like super cool. Uh, I learned like a metric ton. It was just total insanity. Um, and I'm, I'm super glad I did it. If there's anybody who's going to listen to this, that's like debating on whether or not they want to race, even if it's, you know, 4,500 or like stock class stuff, or you want to race your, your UTV or whatever, if you haven't done it, I highly recommend, um, you jumping in that program. Um, just cause it's going to like, it's going to open doors to people that you will never have access to. as just like a regular dude off the street. Yeah. Um, like Wayne is would have never talked to me as just a fucking guy. Right. But like, um, me and Dave are sitting up at the rookie ranch thing and it's like four o'clock in the morning. And, um, you know, we're talking about, are we going to watch the sunrise or whatever? And he's like, man, I got a really cool speaker tomorrow. And, uh, he's like, he's, he's the guy when it comes to shocks. And I'm said, hey, like, you talking about Wayne. And he was like, yeah. And I said, dude, I've, I've read everything Rain, Wayne's ever written on the internet. And he's like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, like, like, uh, he's Izzy on pirate and he's this on this and whatever. I said, yeah, like I just search his name. I've read everything Wayne's ever said online. And he was like, you psychopath. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, dude, yeah, if Wayne says something like 40 pages deep in a thread, I see what he says. And then I go figure out the context of why he said it or like what it means. And, and like, dude, every car I've built has been based off of like his ideology. Like what I was talking about earlier when, you know, we're talking about like going fast because we have limited opportunities to go wheeling, you know, at the time in 15, like my friend's rigs were 300 over 400 spring rates. And I'm like 125 over 175 in the front and like hundred over hundred in the rear. And they're all like, what are you doing? And I'm like, "No, man, this is the way, like (laughs) this guy Wayne on the internet says, this is how this shit should be. And he seems like a knowledgeable fella. So, (laughs) um, I'm going to go with it. And then, you know, we go wheeling and it's like, you're at Harlan and we're leaving the Putney side. And it's like, let's go hit, the, uh, um, lion's den. And, you know, I get there a half hour before everybody else. And they're like, Hey man, like you should slow down. Like what the shit? And I'm like, y'all should learn how to go faster. Like get those 400 round springs out of your car. And like, let's rip, you know?
3: Okay. And, now we're going to have to punch the brakes here and go into some class because I'm trying to okay. wrap my head around this. So you're going to have to school me on that because I I have I approach this from a crawling kind of little bit of go fast background and on the rear of mine I'm running 140 over 225 leaning heavily into the 225 with the preload to help to keep the stability in the chassis. So running such a light spring rate to me does not compute. Like, we've
2: got a short circuit going on. Okay, all right. So I'm not going to tell you anything that I came up with. I'm going to regurgitate 100% of shit I read from Wayne offline, okay? But here's his line. You want the lightest spring to do the heaviest job. So whatever that is, all you're trying to do with the spring rate is hold up the weight of the car and then you're going to accomplish everything else with valving. Um, so, okay.
1: yeah. So like, that's, that's it's a very different. dirt bike way of thinking too. Yeah. Well, uh, that's so he's got that up front jocks too.
2: He's a dirt bike guy. Um, so that definitely makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean at, at a time when like my, my group of wheeling friends were running super heavy spring rates, You know, I was like on the absolute far end of the spectrum, like as light as I could go. And um, what's kind of funny about that is like how sort of all the cars that I worked on, I set up that way. And then the cars that I didn't work on, but that wheel with us sort of gravitated that direction. Um, But I ended up 100 over 100 ended up being like a hair too light in the back um, on the TJ. When it was all said and done, I think I, I had um, 100 over 150. Um, you know, he was, how
1: heavy? How heavy was the the TJ? Just to
2: get a rough idea. Um, I never put it on the scales. I don't know. I don't think it was. It was super heavy. I mean, it was a uh, uh, front half, back half. You know, I chopped it and tubed out the front and the rear. rear. Um, mm-hmm. It was a LS 700R4 Atlas. Um, i only had like a 15 gallon cell in it so i'm gonna, I'm gonna ballpark that at
3: like 45
2: i would really? say four. so really? we, rolled the, we rolled the race car across the scales and tech and it's uh it's all two inch basically um the lower end of it is 188 wall um the lightest tube i got in it's 120 wall I'm running a 32-gallon cell, you know, seven pounds a gallon of fuel. We uh, rolled tech, race prepped, full of fuel, like up the fill neck, spares, tools, everything, and the car was 5180, which surprised me. That's fucking nuts, dude. dude. I was guessing I was going to be between 55 and 6,000. So, um, yeah, when we rolled 5180, like, full race weight, I was like, damn, okay, that's sweet. She's not as heavy as I thought she was.
3: Just for some perspective here, no driver, no tools, no spares. My shit box weighs in at 52. Okay, all right. So, like, that's fucking wild that a fully equipped... 4400 with all 2 inch is lighter than that thing it I
2: surprised mean, me also
3: damn so yeah. that I'm going to guess that's a, some type of 60 up front with a 14 bolt rear
2: yeah so I'm running a uh, uh, 09 Super Duty axle up front and I mean like Junkyard LKQ axle and then yep. a 14 bolt in the rear um, the 14 bolt has been uh, shaved. It's got the uh, TMR, like, 13-bolt kit on it, Um, you know, truss on top, backbone truss, um, all of that. And then, fun story, first day pre-running, we're, like, ripping, uh, it's, like, road 1920 uh, up the race course. And what I think happened was the sway bar arm hooked the fuel cell and the the rear tire should have been out and it wasn't and then when i came down it kind of like knocked it loose and we end up doing like a a three-roll roll roll, like at a decent speed um and this is day one of pre-running like not how you write it up as a rookie like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna get in the car with my co-driver and we're gonna go out and like an hour into this thing, I'm going to wad the car up. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that turned into, um, we were fortunate that, uh, the nacho light guy, I think his name is Steve happened to be across the Canyon from us. Sees this happen. We're like fully upside down. Um, he comes over with some of the people that he's with. They get us winch back over. We look at the car the car's relatively unhurt. I mean, like, uh, you know, a couple scratches on the driver's side skin, the roof is dented in a little bit. Um, but like for the most part, the car did exactly what it was supposed to do. Like everything, uh, like it handled it like a champ. And we looked at it and I'm thinking, okay, well, this is cool. You know, we're good to go. And, um, um, we take back off and Chris Ray, my co-driver is, is like, hey, do you want to hit this desert section? And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, I don't know, man. You know, maybe we shouldn't go out here and see if we can't hit 100 in the desert on a car we just rolled. So I end up telling them, like, I think let's just nurse it back to the pits. We'll look the car over real good, and then go back out. And we made it about five miles from where we rolled, and I think the the both of the spindles on the rear axle were bent. And it caused the bearings on the driver's side to seize. And five miles of that, the the hub, wheel, brake, tire, everything goes Bluetooth mode. Um, it straight splits the spindle. I mean, like, just peels it open. Uh, and, you know, just, I have a plow now. Like, axle in the dirt. We're, <laughs> we're stuck in the high desert. And it's oh. like, yeah, what now? <laughs> so we end up, we uh, we end up walking up the trail, and we go like a hundred yards, and this just random kid is walking down the trail, and he's like, "Hey, can y'all help me?" We're like, "Uh, what you need, man?" And he's like, uh, "We rolled over up here in the ditch. Uh, can you flip us back over?" And I'm like, "Nah, dude, we're broke too." So, um, this guy is like girlfriend or wife or I don't know what. Um, took a, a horrific line and ended up on his lid in the side-by-side. So we all go walking for help because we're in a part of the desert that has no cell phone service. And lo and behold, this group of people that had just helped us roll over comes riding back by. And you can just see the looks of like, shit, yeah, not this again. And uh, <laughs> so we have to coerce them into coming back and helping us again. Um, and there's a video out where like, uh, Steve ends up underneath my rear, uh, my spare tire carrier on the back, with the front of his car, and like his winches run through my roll cage down, and we've ratchet strapped up the axle, and he just put it in neutral, and I like drug him all the way to pit two, where some of my guys met us with uh, my truck and a trailer that we had borrowed um, to to haul us back to town. So at that point, I'm kind of thinking we're done, you know, like this is that, well, that that's it. We showed up, we pre ran for a little bit. And then now our race is over. And on the way back, um, Chris Ray is probably like one of the, the top, um, uh, co-drivers in ultra four. So like this dude's been around the block. I think he's, one of the only, if not the only, guy that's got a finish in every class of hammers. Um, yeah, he was uh, he worked for uh, Hammer King at one point, was like the, the tech inspector. Uh, dude has like been around the block for sure. And he does these like wrong seat Wednesday, like pro co driver tech tip kind of things. And um, I started following him from uh, it's like a co driver's uh, um anonymous group uh on facebook and like that guy was for sure revered as being you know an expert among the group so um i i just like instagrammed him i hit him up and i'm like hey bro are you are you co-driving for anybody in 4400 and he was like nope and i was like well do you want to and uh and he's like well he doesn't respond for a couple of days, and I'm thinking, I guess, well, I guess, I guess, I guess the answer to that question is no, right? <laughs> finally, he comes back and he's like, "Hey, dude, like, sorry, I, I like left you on read for a couple of days. Um, I was Facebook stalking you, and uh, and like Instagram stalking you. Like, it looks like you got the right parts in the right places. It looks like you got a safe car. Like, your chassis looks great. Um, I'm down. So, oh shit." That's how yeah, that's how I ended up with like one of the premier navigators in Ultra 4 in the car. Um, and it was funny. We um, we were down at a, a friend's tent one night um, helping him work on his stuff. And uh, one of the guys that was there works for the Gomez brothers. And, um, and they're just like we walk into a conversation about co-drivers. And this guy's like, you know, there's only like. You know, four legit ass premium co drivers in Ultra 4. You've got Sergio at, at Gomez, and you've got Jason Berger that rides with um, Jason Shear. And uh, I don't remember who else he named. And he goes, You've got Chris Ray and my buddy Matt that we were there with. He's like, Hey, bro. Like, yeah, that's him. And he's like, <laughs> Huh? He's like, What? He's like, He's riding with him. And he's like, What? He's like, Yeah, like Chris Ray's riding with him. And he's like, Get the fuck out of town. Like, how'd you get him in the car? I said, well, I asked. And he said, yeah. And he was like, no shit. <laughs> so the night before the 4,400 race, um, we had gone down and asked the Team Indiana, like Brannock dudes, if they would, um, if we could pit with them um, in remote pit one and two, because uh, that's a super pro- professional outfit. Like those guys, um, the year beforehand, when I didn't finish the car, I had still gone out to help another rookie buddy, Brent Moffitt, and he was uh, hooked up with Team Indiana. And like it was crazy, the professionalism, like the night before the races, they've got their big whiteboard. I mean, it's like, um, you know, who the driver is, who the co-driver is, what your radio frequencies are, like what size your lug nut uh, sockets are. I mean, just like it's thorough and they, they really know what's up. So I had to go and kind of beg them to see if they'd let me, uh, pit with them. And the, the guy's asking me, he's like, all right, what's your, uh, you know, what's your name? And I tell him, he's like, who's your co-driver. And I was like, Chris Ray. And he turned around, he was like, the Chris Ray. And I was <laughs> like, uh, yeah. He's like, how the fuck did you get him in the car with you? And I, was like, well, <laughs> yeah. I asked him, he said, yes. Uh, See and that's what
1: quick thing about you DMing him though. It's one of those where your buddies are sitting there and you're drinking. And he's like, "Oh, worst thing he could say is no," but in reality, right. he could have stopped your Facebook and been like, "Man, I ain't getting in that piece of shit. That thing is hacking." You know what I mean? So yeah, you kind of took a chance. Like he could. Yeah.
2: So I know I've rabbit trailed bad. I have a hard time with that. Um, oh that's no, all right. that's
0: that's a par for <laughs> yeah. the course here.
2: <laughs> it's funny. Um, so my race number is forty four hundred. And even him, when I asked him, he's like, What's your car number? I'm like, 4400. He was like, No, no, no I know you're racing 4400. Like, What's your car number? I was like 4400. He was like, No, 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 you don't understand. And then I get into this Team Indiana meeting, and Brant, the guy that's running it, he's like, All right, what's your car number? And I was like, 4400. He was like, No, everybody's 4400, dude. Like, What's your car number? I'm like, It's 4400. He was like, You stupid rookie. What is your car number? And I'm like, My car number's 4400. And he's like, He's like, well, could somebody... Uh, does this kid speak English? Like, it's not getting slower <laughs> to you. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> what is your car number? And I'm like, it's 4,400. And then there's a dude in there, Nate, that uh, I, I was friends with last year because I helped pit with them last year. And we were in uh, Remote Pit 2 together. And he's like, nah, dude. His race car number is 4,400. And he's like, how the fuck did you get that number? And I'm like, uh, I asked I him. I asked. Is- yeah. And they're like... <laughs> Huh. No way. Like <laughs> you've got you got forty four hundred as a car number and you've got Chris Ray as a co driver. He's like, This is like we're living in the twilight zone right now. And it's like, Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. Like I'm new here. I just I'm I just asking until somebody tells me I can't do that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so normally
1: is it are most people uh three digit? Is that why it's kind of a... No, it's thing? always four, but
3: it's is not. It? it's the class number, just you know like yeah no,
4: i understand funny. that
1: that's the guy it's just I, surprising you, that wasn't Luke, for the explanation taken. i understand <laughs> that but i was just curious because like with dirt biking and like dirt bike racing it's usually three digits max so i didn't know if it was something similar that's all oh, cars are yeah, bigger no, and they have four no, wheels think, so okay shut the fuck up four thank numbers. you four wheels Jesus four numbers fucking christ oh then what's up with two wheels and three numbers huh i they
0: don't know you're riding trikes you got something you're not talking us uh,
1: no, those things I, are dangerous. Fuck
0: that. I
2: think a lot of people man, man. thought that it was like retired or like they just wouldn't let you have it. Like, yeah. like, like, there's no way that, you like know. Like, nobody
0: would try that because somebody's obviously already taken
2: it, right? Yeah. And I don't know. I, like, I thought, like, I don't know, like, uh, Double odd. I don't, I was, when I was trying to think of like a race team name, you know, like Snake Eyes or Double Odd or whatever, you know, I thought like, you know, Zero Zero sounds pretty cool. And they're like, you'd be 4,400. And I was like, Okay, well, that, that, sounds, that sounds pretty cool. I'll just do that. On uh, that uh,
3: note, though, yeah. it's always uh, the first two numbers of the class and then the last two are the car number in said class, right?
2: So it doesn't have to be that way. Like, there's um, there's 4,400 cars that are, like, three-digit numbers or two-digit, two-digit numbers or whatever. Like, it 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 doesn't... It's not, like, a rule that it has to be that way um but a lot of 4400 cars are like 4417 or 4444 or, you know whatever um so it it i think it's easier when you look at a car and it's like a 44 something or a 48 something or a 46 you're like okay I know what class that car is racing in whereas like the TMR guys run like 867 and like, okay, well, are are they, is that modified or stock or, you know, 4,400 or, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what eight seventy sixty seven is. It's 4,400, but um, you, know, you can't just like instantly tell that from the car number. Um,
3: yeah, I was just yeah. curious about that because like now we're going to turn back the Wayback Machine here and uh, go back to the Petty Cash Cherokee days and like the explanation then was that it was always the car prefix number. And then the number of the car in that class, which was random, like you could pick the last two numbers if they weren't yeah. taken. I, I didn't know if that had changed.
2: No, I think it's uh, like that's common. I just don't think it's like a rule. Like uh, you know, now there's enough cars and enough people racing where uh, you know I, I probably think between forty four, you know, forty four hundred and forty four ninety nine, like they're all taken. Um, so they're having to, to get, you know, out of the box, uh, a little bit on assigning numbers because like as a driver, you basically own your number. If you've raced it in the last year or two, I think like it belongs to you. And if somebody else wants it, like you have to sign away the rights to that number, like it's yours. Um, so I'm sure there's some people who like, aren't giving up their numbers, um even if you know it's been a minute since they raced so maybe that's what's driving it but um there's definitely more cars out there that have you know two digit, two digit and three digit numbers that don't start with their class um than i think there used to be
3: makes sense i'm kind of surprised that they're not moving to like a 44389 four, Type of a situation just to keep that, because that infinitely exp- or not infinitely, but that expands it by what a factor of tenfold. Yeah. So, you know, you stop running into some of those issues, sure. but uh,
2: it's still wild to think how few of people have raced the king of the hammers in forty four hundred, like. Um, we sort of, after the, the race was over, um, you know, we're talking about like the fraternity of people who've done this, like it, it's, it's still pretty damn small, right? Like most of the people, I think there was like 122 cars this year in 4,400 and out of the 122, I, I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but I would guess 80 or 90 of those people have done it every year for the last 10 or 15 years. Um, So like, it's still a a relatively small group of people who've ever taken the green flag at, at King of the Hammers, um, you know, in, in the 4,400 class or any class really. Um, and it's kind of a wild thing to think about. Um, there was a a post on rock sports insiders the other day that like, there's been fewer Kings than there've been men on the moon. And, uh, I don't know if that's true or not. Just somebody posted that shit. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy to think about. (laughs) damn
1: yeah i I wonder if that's true because that would be a fucking wild statistic isn't that nuts yeah i hope Um, it's true.
2: whether it's true or not i'm gonna i'm gonna keep on keeping on like it's facts
1: now if you ever have any buddies who are looking to try to get a number and they can't you know find one that they like something that we used to do with the dirt by grayson was going to 10 codes that police use and like 1051 was one that my buddy picked because it was subject is drunk
2: and, like, different <laughs> things
1: like that and, like, you know, like, police chase or, like, whatever. And sometimes it's always a fun thing. We're like, oh, well, how'd you choose that? And it's like, well, you know, police ten code is, like, you know, subject to speeding or something. Yeah, like, something like that. It was always a funny little caveat. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so, now, let's let's dive into tires a little bit. You you know, you talked about right. having... Blue Sorry, bagels. I got I to gotta oh. interject.
0: There have been 12 people who have walked on the moon. 24 people who have went to the moon... Not all of them walked on it. Oh.
2: And how many kings do we have? I don't know. I, I mean, it's been going on since two thousand seven. I don't think they did it in eight. And what then class- obviously,
1: what huh? classifies them as a king? Is that just a win, or do they have to like have like a spe- specific amount oh. of wins? Like, what's the?
2: Uh, if you if you win the forty four hundred race, you're the king. So, um, you know, there's there's, there's obviously definitely. Jason-
0: a- a chance that that is accurate, yeah. If multiple, so you, if somebody's won multiple times in yeah, a row or whatever,
2: like Shannon Campbell, just multiple a times in general, time. Lauren Healy's mm. done it a couple of times, Jason Shear's done it a couple of times, Roel Gomez has done it uh, twice, I think. Um, so I think uh, Randy Slauson's done it twice, um, Eric Miller, I'm pretty sure, is too. So, yeah, I mean, it's only been going on since 07 and in that time period you pretty much had like uh, a handful of people do it multiple times so I shit there's probably not seven or eight kings total if I had to guess
1: holy shit
0: there's yeah, a no, list I'll, but I, you gotta get rid of the duplicates here I'll do that Cody ask your question
1: no but thank you for interjecting that was honestly a great time for it so thank you for that because otherwise we would have trailed off and probably never came back to it mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but so tallying it up
0: right now, twelve.
2: Damn. And how many was on the moon? How many walked on the moon? One,
0: twelve. So it's equal. Rarefied air.
2: So I wow. think it's only fitting if uh, if I if I wreck the stat by becoming the thirteenth king next year. <laughs>
3: I agree. I mean, I also that's just that's just a cool number to be like, yeah, I was the thirteenth king.
2: We only probably need an act of God, um, and like four or five miracles to, to make maybe that an happen. angel yeah. titty or two, dude, I, I'm down, like any way it happens. I'm cool with, um, you know, like we can sprinkle the car with holy water or uh, if you got some like anointing oil or <laughs> like what, whatever needs to happen, um, to get on the box, uh, I'm pretty much down with, um, but, uh. Yeah, I don't know. I think we've we got a long way to go before we're pushing for podiums, um, you know, if, if we ever get to, to be that competitive. It's it's wild in 4,400 now when you're talking about, you know, I'm just a regular dude, you know, um, like I, I, I built this car in the back of my cabinet shop with my friends. Um, we're not professionals like none of us build cars professionally. Um You know, I don't have uh, a 10-person full-time staff of guys that, you know, professional car builders. Um, My social media team uh, consists of me when I think about, you know, taking a picture or posting a video. Um, Whereas, like, some of these guys got six full-time dudes that are doing that. And they're running million-dollar-a-year race teams and driving upwards of 700,000 to million-dollar cars speaking
1: um, of that actually how do you feel about ford having their hand in the town? stock class
2: i mean so like the the rule book talks about like stock class is the is the place for manufacturers to showcase their wares right so um i think overall for the sport um it's good that a major car manufacturer airs enough to be involved Um, really, I think it sucks. What I would love to have is like a, you know, Ford versus Ferrari situation, you know, kind of thing where like somebody at Jeep gets pissed off and somebody at Toyota gets pissed off and, um, you know, like they decide they want to just, you know, battle it out in the desert ultra Ford style and they all start throwing money at it. Um, I think that would be, you know, cool as shit. I mean, can you imagine like somebody in a, in a portaled forerunner and then you've got like a gladiator or something that's a 392 that's got factory support and I like it would be exciting and I think you can't it's not even a debate that ultra four has upped the off-road game across the board I mean in in 2015 nobody you knew was running 40 spline chromoly axles right and then like yeah now Half your friend group's got them. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think from, like, an a off-road uh, uh, enthusiast standpoint, like, bringing the whole game up, it only benefits all of us if more manufacturers get in the game. And I understand it sucks if you're in, like, a Suzuki Samurai and some dude with $50,000 worth of portals comes blowing past you in his Bronco.
3: Um what would you think about moving the manufacturers up out of stock class and moving them to like modified or the uh 4500 series?
2: Are you talking about giving them their own class or or Cause... like moving them into a more modified class? I don't know. I think it's I think it would be scary if you said, "Okay, now we're going to let a Ford-backed Bronco be in 4500 when they can start modifying chassis and they can run multiple shocks a corner and they can upgrade power plants and all that like there's still going to be a disparity there because they're just going to outspend everybody
3: yeah that was my argument um with them being in stock class though is it in my opinion now this is just my opinion um it raises the competition shelf in stock class when you're able to have specific vehicles that are almost built or tailor built towards it. Because like you were talking about earlier with Jeep, if they wanted to dip their toes in with a 392, how the hell are you supposed to compete with a 392 if you're limited to a 22 RE or maybe if you're getting aggressive a 3.4?
2: Yeah it'd be hard. I mean, it would be difficult. Um, You know, the the thing about, the thing about Ultra 4 in general and and King of the Hammers is like, okay, you've got these cars that people have spent, uh, you know, 4,400, like a million dollars on. But at some point you get so out in the weeds on one-off custom everything. And like, you're so on the cutting edge of technology that like, how many times have, have those cars finished. You know what I mean? Like when, when I set out to build a car, I'm like, man, I want to build. I mean, was, I mean, I say, I, Oh, this is, was my goal. You know, this is like also necessity because I don't have the budget to go, you know, ham and spend a million dollars on a car. But like, I want, I want an endurance car or a reliability car. Like there's, there's a bunch of cars out there that are north of a thousand horsepower. But, like, can you keep a thousand horsepower together for three hundred miles? And if you look at statistically, the answer is like, no, it's hard for parts to live under a thousand horsepower for a super, you know long period of time. So I think there's ways to like get around some of that stuff. Like, um, you know people who are out horsepowering you or or whatever, like you could build, you know, arguably a suspension that's, good enough with a smaller motor to outperform the big stuff. And then, and then the huge part of it is like, can you keep it together? And, um, like, I think I've heard that, that, uh, Horschel car, it's like IFS IRS. Uh, it's like a thousand rear wheel horsepower. Um, that car's sick and it's a work of art, but like, it's so intricate. He's had a hard time keeping it together. And, um, you know, like my goal was I'm going to build something that um, you know, hopefully will survive. Um, but I don't think I need a thousand rural horsepower to be competitive. Um, I just need a car that is still kicking after three hundred miles.
3: Now, do you think that that scales with the classes, or does that pertain more into the forty four
2: hundred? Um, I, no, I think it scales with classes, and then also too, like you know, in stock class, you got to think about like what you're picking as a as a a vehicle to start with, right? Like if you pick a '80s Suzuki Samurai, well, those came with small motors. They're they're you know the they're leaf sprung. Like uh, you know, you've limited yourself by what you started with. I, before the Broncos got in the game, I always thought, man, it'd be badass if you got like a like a SS trailblazer. It's already yeah, got
1: a, you know it's already got a
2: LS motor in it. So like you can out horsepower most everybody. Like uh suspension wise, you know, you you you're already um like IFS, like you could do some wild stuff with that. Like, you know, I think it, it's hard to like take a knife to a gunfight and then complain that like, well I can't believe some people showed up with guns, you know, like that's not the spirit of the class. It's like, well, if you wanted to win, like show up with a damn gun. you know?
3: Fair. I just, I don't know. To me, it ends up rubbing me the wrong way with Ford running in the lower classes, but that's just, like I said, my opinion.
2: Yeah. And I mean, dude, it's like, that's a marketing, you know, like that's their marketing arm. Like, Um, and two, it's hard to hate on, on Ford because they have invested a whole lot in the sport. And then as like a manufacturer, um, I know that those cars were born out of the desert. Like they have a whole testing facility, um, down there, Ford does. And, um, I actually, because AK with the Bronco is connected with the Funhaver guys, um, when I broke my car and had to have parts shipped they were letting me ship them to their shop. And it's like, Hey, don't tell anybody where this is kind of thing, like super secret location. But, um, um, they got a whole testing facility out there. And I know that, um, they hire like Jason Shear and, um, obviously, uh, Vaughn Gittin jr. And Lauren Healy and, uh, Brad Lovell And some of those guys, like they bring in legitimate hardcore ultra four racers, and are like, tell us what this thing needs to do. And I don't. I got some respect for that. Like, it's not like they just, you know, some nerd ass nerd in Michigan, you know, drew a car in AutoCAD and they built it. And it's, you know, some plastic piece of shit. And they put it out on the market and want to call it an off-road vehicle. Um, those guys actually took it out in the desert and beat the snot out of it. And then listened to those dudes when they were like, hey, this is what you got to change on it. And I, I I, wish more manufacturers would do that. You know, like, mm-hmm. like, why does Jeep not have a V8 one ton option? Mm-hmm. Like they already produce, you know, 60s and 80s and stuff in like the 2500 and 3500 trucks. Like, why can you not go down to your local dealership and pick up uh, like a 392 with one tons under it? Like that should exist. I um, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, like. And, or I even
3: mean, an eco diesel with uh, one ton axles
0: would be sick. Or a manual. <laughs> yeah. I, let's I start have small. Been,
2: but, yeah. How I would a manual
0: behind one. your diesel?
2: Yeah. But like, say they put that thing out in like 2024, by like 2038, I'm sure I could find one in the junkyard at LKQ that I could fix up real nice, you know? Mm-hmm. If they never build it, I'll never have the opportunity.
4: Nope.
1: I wonder yeah. if that leads into like why, like Dodge did the Demon or like Chevy did the Copo Camaro. I wonder if there was some racing program that they were into and why they even went to those crazy extremes to be able to be in a stock format class or something. I don't know.
0: That's while a great in, question. While we're in this lull, there have been nine unique King of Hammers kings.
4: Okay. So, so well. oh, the list is pretty
3: small. The list that I was looking at was fastest time, my bad. That does include 4,800 people and other classes.
4: There you oh, go. Yeah.
0: You can see the leaderboard, but it's got multiple names, and a lot of them have very similar names, or they're all right next to each other, so you kind of have to like squint at it. Uh, I just deleted them out of the list and made a new one. So, yeah, nine.
1: That's a
2: Yeah.
1: Just to clarify, there's only two times... That Ford has won, put in perspective, Luke. Because Lauren uh, Healy, you're LC, not changing my opinion. My opinion. No, I understand. Stay the same. To a, I understand to a certain degree because if you think about it in the sense of like F1, there's no. I mean, I don't even know this for exact well, fact. But how many private drivers are driving F1? probably none that aren't backed by a fucking proper dealer or a car manufacturer. So yeah. if you start taking that, you mentioned the whole Fard, Fard, <laughs> Ford versus Ferrari thing, and if you apply that to this, then it's just going to edge out the competition even further for that class. So I do mildly respect it, but I also can understand the fact of using it for marketing, and then also for the simple fact of like we were talking about the Copo Camaro and the Dodge Demon, is like there if there's a market for it and they find a reason that it's worth selling that vehicle at stock, then it's going to raise you know the competition but also that's now offered to the general public and how fucking sick would it be seeing somebody driving down the street in a gladiator on 60s from factory on 40s with a fucking uh demon motor or something in it that's I that it. Not it really go. 60 I don't and want it I, shut the fucking As an example all right. you bitch I god I can it.
3: <laughs> I can completely agree with that and I like like it's a double-edged sword. My opinion only applies to stock because I love watching what Ford is doing in the other classes. Like they have some fast as fuck and cool as fuck cars. Yeah. So um, my opinion is strictly just dumb. But yeah, we'll let you but, have it. Yeah, well, <laughs> we all hold a dumb opinion or two. Um, mm-hmm. I hold more than two.
4: <laughs>
2: I've got. Uh, only I like half of one. I like capacity
0: on that bad boy. (laughs) How many dumb ideas can you hold in that brain? Well, (laughs) I I like AKs and manuals, so (laughs) I'm pretty retarded. Uh, I don't think those are dumb, so I guess I'm equally in the hole. The answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, Anyways, I am curious about Cody's
1: question involving tires there, because that's going to be a zesty one. So you mentioned you know that you have KR3s and that you have um fucking blue labels now yes. give me your honest opinion about blue labels cuz i've never heard somebody give like a happy review and just from your perspective i'm going to ask my other tire question in- here in a second but let's start with this one like how new are those blue labels
2: um so they're pretty old um like they're okay. they're they're pretty old but they're they don't have a lot of miles on them um mm-hmm. so Where I live in Greenville, South Carolina, Jackson Motorsports is based out of here. And if you don't know, Jackson Motorsports handles all of BFG's racing programs. So, like, if you're running, uh, like, I don't know, Road Atlanta type stuff or, um, you know, like, car racing type stuff, all those tires are housed, like, 12 minutes from my shop. And um they have an enormous facility. It's it's super badass. Um and uh they're mainly, I guess, a marketing company. Um, but then they handle all of this um, you know, race tire stuff for Michelin and BFG. So one of my childhood friends, like a, a dude I've been buddies with since like sixth grade, is um is works over there. Um, I don't even know what his job title is. I think he's, I think he's, you know, pretty big dick over there, but, um, because my buddy works there and I know it exists and it's right here in town. Um, you know, I'm a nobody, but he was able to get me hooked up like with their racer program. Um, so that's kind of how I got the in over there. And, um bfg does do a lot for their racers as far as like uh pit support and that kind of stuff but then also being local to them like you know when i when i buy tires and they come through jackson like i can go there and drop off my wheels and they'll mount and balance them so you know we were talking about how bad you know beadlocks suck um it sucks a lot less when you just like drop them off and then they call you the next day and are like, Hey, you can come pick your stuff up. Um, so that's, that's sort of how like that whole thing worked out. And then, um, I will say like this year, um, I I would not have made the green flag without like BFG support. And, um, you know, I'm not like a, I'm not a factory sponsored racer. They're not giving me tires. Uh, or anything like that. Um, I, I wish, and if uh, I think Nate Hunt's the dude who decides that. And Nate, if you ever hear this, uh, buddy, like I'm ready. Hit him up. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> hey, bro, I'm ready. You can just send me, you know, 23 tires tomorrow.
4: Um,
2: <laughs> I'm doing a killer job of marketing. Can't you tell? Um, but uh, no, I mean, like, like uh, uh, you know, not like a, a a pitch or whatever. Like, I'm not a a Big brand guy or anything. And if you go and look at my stuff, um, I'm running those tires and I never posted anything really about them. I never tagged BFG and any of the stuff until I got to Hammers. And when I wrecked the car and broke, those guys were like, whatever you need, like we're we're in for it. Um, Cole Connor, uh um Matt. Uh, Hobie, um, Frankie, all those dudes, like they came to my tent and worked on my car with me every night. Um, when it was time to weld um, spindles, new spindles on the car, um, we ended up.
3: Fucking nuts
2: um, that you welded yeah.
3: new spindles on. Dude.
2: So like, that's a wild story. I went, like, I think my race is over and, um, we go walking around trying to talk to people and figure out like, can anybody help? Like, is there an axle? Does somebody have spindles? We talked to Yukon. They're like, we don't keep that stuff. And, uh, we, we went all around and then I walked back to my garage space and I had bought uh, Brannock 1550 uh, U-joints and Brannock shafts from East Coast Gear Supply the week before we left. And it just so happened that the dude I talked to on the phone, his name is John, was like, oh, you're going to Hammer? It's like, I'm co-driving a 4800 car. Like, where do you know where you're garage in? And I'm like, yeah, I'm in VP100. And he goes, oh, I'm right around the corner from you on Buggy Whip's way. And uh, I'm like, okay, sweet. He's like, I'll swing by and say hey one day. So I wrecked the car. I pretty much think that my race is done. Um, We go walk around trying to, you know, beg, borrow, steal parts, and and really kind of come up empty. And when I walk back to my garage, standing around the broke ass car is three dudes. And he's like, "Are you Zach?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Hey, I'm John from East Coast Gear Supply." And I'm like, "Oh, (laughs) what's up, man?" And he's like, "Like, I see you've had a problem." And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Hey, so don't freak out, but like." I have everything you need to fix this at the warehouse. And then it was just a matter of like, well, how fast can we get it here? And those are the parts that we overnighted to the Ford garage. Um, but they sent me out everything that I needed um, to, to like totally rebuild that axle in the desert. And wow. yeah, dude, like it's, I mean, we're like Porta band cutting off spindles. Like it's, it's was, More than I really thought I would get into, you know, on the lake bed. But the BFG guys are like, hey, man, we got welders. We got, you know, all this stuff. So um, we ended up pulling the axle out of the car. Um, We took it over to BFG. They pull out, you know, their welders and all their equipment. We get everything, you know, ground down and fit up and cut off and ready to go. And um, burn in new spindles at, I don't know, one o'clock in the morning on the lake bed. And, um, you know, like without those, without those dudes, like it would have never happened. You know, like, um, we did not take a welder out there. Um, you know, we didn't, we never imagined we'd be doing that level of fab work, you know, on the lake bed. Um, so we didn't take, you know, the stuff to do it. And, and like, not only did they, were they like, you can use our crap they were like right there with us the whole way. Um, So like straight up, if, uh, if it wasn't for those guys, Cole, especially um, I don't know that we would have made it. So like, I'm super thankful for that. Like, that's one of those things that like, okay, I had to, I had to buy tires and that was no small chunk of change, but they also mounted them up for me and that was sweet. And then when I really needed the help, like, they worked their asses off for me to make sure I'd make the race. So you, that kind of made me uh you know, that, that, like, that made me a believer, right? Like in the program, um, no matter what you believe about the tire, um, you know, it's hard to like, yeah, I can't knock that. No, I yeah. You don't. know, like, am I going to get that support from anybody else? You know, I, I probably not.
0: That's pretty I cool. I don't have a spindle I can give you, unfortunately.
2: <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did.
0: I am also just I'm not on the lake bed, so <laughs> even if it I didn't be, be any well help. if you were. I know. You don't have to tell me that.
3: <laughs> Dude, that's just wild though like I have my gripes with BFG and like, as you can tell at this point, I have gripes about everything, yeah, but I will crazy. say that they make some kick-ass race tires. I'm a big fan of the KR2 and KR3 in a racing application.
2: Yeah, that KR3 is thick. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what to expect because I've, I've never done, you know, the desert racing stuff high speed, but um, I have run a bunch of different stickies in the Rocks. And, uh, dude, like a 40 is, it's funny. I'm like, damn, look at these small ass tires. Um, cause everything that, that I've run here in the, 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 you know, rememberable past is like, you know, 42 and up type, type stuff. And everybody that I wheel with is on SXs or, um, preps or, you know, 42 inch reds or whatever. And, uh, I'm like, man, these tires are small as shit. And then we got in the rocks and was like, damn, these things hook. <laughs> um, um, I didn't have any complaints. I didn't get to run as many rock trails as I was hoping to, um, before we, uh, ventilated our motor. Um, but you know, the, the rocks that I, I did get to hit, um, in it, I was like, yeah, this dog will hunt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, usually my question is, is, uh, what is your favorite DOT off-road tire? and then what is the worst but as you kind of just said you don't really you're not really too partial so i mean i think i'm just gonna leave my question at the whole blue label conversation because i think you did a really good job of selling selling bfg to the people so i like that Uh, yeah and
2: and i'm not a i'm not a dot uh tire kind of fella i mean uh no, I get
1: it, but like you know, most people come from humble beginnings. You know where they start out something small, and it's nice nah, for people nah, ever looking gotta, for tires you, and something. You
2: else. gotta, you gotta man up and just max that credit card out. Like, um, <laughs> there's no room for for small tire hard compounds in the rocks. Like, you uh, twenty dollars is twenty dollars. If you need to hit up some truck stops or uh, you know, like get a, a feet finder account or whatever, you you got to get on them sticky tires. Hey, that's I, a good way of putting I, it. I can't fault
3: it. Um I do have a nitpick question for you because I'm like autistic and go down rabbit holes. And one of the Bring tires it. I have always wanted to try is the KR2. I believe the S is the designation for the stickies. Um how do those things do?
2: Uh so I'm running the SR. The uh the SR has a little bit uh like more enhanced uh tread pattern I guess. There's like I don't know if it's another ply or they put something in it, but it's it's supposed to be built more for like uh you know hitting shit at speed. Um uh, what was so that?
3: I'm sorry. It's, what the, was it's the, the SR. SR, okay.
2: Yeah so there's there's the the S and then there's the S R. And um uh actually my um my spares, I've got a set of five spares, and they're just S's. Um, they're not the SR. Um, and, and like, no complaints out of them. I, I didn't, I, truthfully, I didn't see any difference between the way they hooked in the rocks versus uh, the way the SRs do. Um, I think it's a, pretty much the same tire, just uh, they do a little bit more with like tread protection. Yeah, you know
3: the ones that I'm talking about. They look like a crawler, but they're a stiffer carcass. I really would love to try a set of those. I have no desire to touch reds. They just.
2: Okay. They Um, don't
3: really interest me because of how floppy they are. Um, Yeah. Like as far as the carcass goes. And like I said, I like driving my shit fast. So right now I'm rocking a set
2: of. I've never owned a set of reds, um, but I've wheeled with a lot of set of reds and uh, like dry rocks. I I mean, Jesus Christ, those things hook like unbelievable. They're not. And and it's like the more worn out they are, it seems like the better they better. Oh yeah.
0: I've, so I've, I've got a set of reds for context here. and Like every other set of reds, that's any worth anything is they're, bald as shit and they look like crap uh, and, er, I and I bet, bet they yo, go everywhere pretty much and yeah. honestly like they do still hold up in wet rock they don't hold up if there's no rocks to be seen Gotcha. Uh, you gotta bump it a little more cause you have no tread but if there's any rocks whatsoever it could be a pebble on the trail or, you know like a smaller rock or whatever it it'll go up it and it it'll yeah. it'll grab that and it'll that will be the traction you get, uh. But they definitely have their pros and cons. Um, for
2: for East Coast willing, else. I'm probably, I you know I probably lean towards like SXs, um. Just because like you get some sloppy nasty stuff and they just seem to like clean out and hook right. Yep. Um. So uh, like of all the tires, uh, I would say like East Coast. You know, I think SX is, is is probably the play, but like the the more you go out west, like it's like video game traction, right? Like, um, I, I, the first time that we went to to Moab, I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, man, if this shit was in Tennessee or Kentucky, zero percent chance. You, like, you'd have to hit it at 90 miles an hour and just like pray <laughs> well, that, that Jesus, fast. yeah, pray that like just Jesus took the wheel, right? And, uh, and then, but you're like, there is a burnt in just rubber track up this thing that clearly multiple, many, many people have gone up and then you start going and you're like, damn, it's like driving on sandpaper. Like this is cheating. (laughs) So I think the conversation changes, you know, based off of like what part of the country you're in. Um, oh yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see because like. I'm gonna wreck wheel the shit out of this Ultra Four car, Um, like you will like find the me. Wheelers, Paul. Oh yeah, dude! Yeah. Like, you'll find me at at AOP and Winrock and Harlan and all these places. Like I purposely built my spare tire carrier so that it can come off and a cooler can go on. Um, You know, my wife's only request when I was doing this car was like, don't put a radiator behind my behind my head with like a fan screaming the whole time. Like I like. You know, I want to enjoy it when we go on, on a wreck wheeling trip kind of thing. So like, we're going to find out how these KR3s do um, You know, on East Coast wreck wheeling. So I'm sure you'll find me at 3 o'clock in the morning somewhere banging rev limiter trying to hit you know, some big obstacle on something. and I know that
4: they're very
3: <laughs> popular with the uh, F&F crowd. There have been a lot of people that have ran KR threes at F and F and love them. Okay,
1: so that not know what F it is, To be fair, just saying. Field
3: and Forest Off Road Park.
1: It's our off camp road
3: camping area. <laughs> sorry, and, sorry, and what, Bob. Please don't murder me. What state is this in? New Where Hampshire.
2: New Hampshire. Okay. Yeah, uh, not a lot of uh, not a lot of South Carolina. You know, guys are making it to wheel in New Hampshire. At this place, uh, they would
3: understandable.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Well, we may have to check that out too. I got, I got some friends that live up that way, so maybe we'll have to go see what New Hampshire wheeling's all about. You should. Okay. Uh, oh,
1: Richie's here. First yeah. time talking the whole episode, <laughs> you little fucker. <laughs> you, know, I've
0: talked. He did say at least one sentence. He's oh, probably
3: of you. five. We're we're doing good this episode. <laughs> Sorry, running joke is that Richie never talks, because um, you know He's Richie, a wallflower. <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes he'll just randomly pop in, but he talked about Eric Miller and uh, the trip to Roush. So that was mm-hmm. that was there.
0: Well, to be fair, you talked and he agreed and chimed in, but fair anyways, continue. <laughs> Where were we? Uh, we were talking about stickies.
3: Um, other question, just out of my own morbid curiosity, how was Team Maxis doing out there? And uh, uh,
2: also great, Team Mickey. Great question. All right. So, everybody that I know that's running the Mickey tires is like, they've drank the Kool Aid. They're all about it. Um, oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. You know, I think. I mean, I think it's great that like Mickey seems to be coming on pretty strong and like they're very active. Um, You know, like their participation level in ultra four seems to be super high. Um, So I I think that's cool. You know, I mean, kind of like the whole uh, car manufacturer thing. I hope that uh, encourages the tire manufacturers to, you know, get more involved. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think anybody wants to get like dominated and, You know, when you start seeing a bunch of Mickeys on the box, um, it's probably going to make the rest of them, uh, you know, want to want to up their game some. So um, general
1: grabbers will still be doing advertisement for fucking boats. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand it to this day. (sighs) Um, Sorry.
3: (laughs) So the part of the reason I asked that is, like you said, I drank the Kool-Aid. I fucking love them. Um, they've been nothing but a good tire for me and I was just kind of curious if they're like building a race pedigree and
2: you know, the, um, Oh, they're super aggressive right now, like putting together like legitimate race teams, uh, on their tires. Like I know, uh, doc Jones, um, that won the 4,800 race last year. He's on Mickey's and uh, when I've talked to him, everything he's had to say about them is fantastic. Um, my buddy Chuck Crossland in 4,800 is on those. He loves them. Brent Moffat in 4,400 is, is on them. And he's all about that. Um, I haven't heard anybody who's running them say anything negative about them. Um, you know, and I know that there's like, there's, there's things that play there right like you know they're uh they're partnering with their teams and stuff so they're probably not going to like openly say talk shit about the tire but these are also people that i'm friends with and i feel like if there was something negative to say they'd be like hey yeah man on instagram i know i said these things were great but secretly (laughs) (laughs) secretly i'm not a fan and uh i haven't heard anything patagonia
3: situation
2: yeah, and, and you know, I'm not uh, my buddy Chuck Cross or not Chuck Crossley, uh, Chuck Converse that we talked about earlier um, he just took over for Milestar um, I tell you what,
3: in all seriousness, if you would be so kind, would you please get him into contact with us? Because I would love to talk with him 100% yeah, that. I don't well, think
1: we, Respectfully, we have talked so much shit about those I tires want to
3: talk to him
2: I, so uh <laughs> he, he wheels he wheels the shit out of them and they live you know they live in uh, uh utah like they're down in saint george um so you know they've got like uh video game traction rocks and stuff to play on but uh I, it doesn't seem like chuck has any problem you know hooking up and crawling about any damn thing he puts tires on so uh um, well, i've
3: Part of the reason I want to talk with them is they changed the compound, they changed a bunch of other shit, and I believe they also widened the voids. Um, Brandon Carroll's running them, and, like, Chuck has been fairly active on social media. So, like, if they're making changes to make a better product, I, I will happily support them doing that. Yeah. However, the current
2: product, in
3: my mind, fucking sucks.
2: Gotcha. Well, Chuck's a wheeler's wheeler. I know he hasn't been in that role for very long. I think he started with them in like December. Um, I got a feeling like if there's changes that need to be made, he'll definitely be a catalyst for it. Um oh, yeah. I was, I I was really fun. excited when he got that position. Um he took over for Martin. I don't know what Martin's last name is, but um I think it's you know, kind of sort of like running the race program type stuff. Um, and, uh, I think he's going to be really good at that job and, and I think he's gonna be really good at like helping hopefully steer the direction of the product. So, you know, you know I mean, and like, I'm, they here wheel every weekend, that. like they, like they wheel every weekend. I mean, if it's, you know, before when he was just running the tire, you know, I, I maybe he doesn't have the, the pull to kind of steer it in, in, you know, any direction. But, um, I would imagine now that not only is he wheeling that tire every weekend, but you know, he's, he's in a a position where he's probably got some influence. So, um, I would expect it to get better because of Chuck. Um, so, but yeah, like, I'll absolutely hook you up with him. Uh, no, no doubt. I'll I can text him as soon as we get off of here and and tell him like, hey, bro, you got to go on, <laughs> no, bro, you got to go on the podcast here and and uh, talk tire. Hell yeah!
4: Always know
1: for that.
3: Uh real quick shout out because uh, this dude deserves it. Jordan Kruger. This episode's been fucking awesome. Thank you for the recommendation.
2: Yeah, Jordan's like, uh, it's funny. We cover a lot of the same territory, right? like he um he moved to south carolina at at some point, and I think in his childhood, like we we go to a lot of the same places and know a lot of the same people. Um, but we're largely like you know Instagram uh, acquaintances like uh, so, you know social media people. it's it's funny how that how that plays out. but yeah, yeah, i'm I'm super uh, super glad that he um, he recommended me. This has been fun
1: oh yeah well i guess this is kind of a good time to wrap up we're over a two hour mark now so mr mr savage mr savage where can people find you on all
2: different platforms of social media uh on instagram i'm savage racing 4400 um and i do most of my stuff there um facebook just zach savage um i've got a youtube channel that i don't post anything to that i probably should um, it's Savage Racing also. So yeah, hit me up. Like, um, we like to have a, a good time and, you know, we try to post some cool shit and, um, maybe we'll learn something. If nothing else, you might be entertained. Hell yeah, I'm man. Well, thank sure you that.
1: honestly for coming on. That was a ton of fun. We got to learn a lot of cool things, talk some good tech. And honestly, I've, I've enjoyed every single second of this and I'm sure the listeners will too. And, uh, and on that note, I'm so, note, so
0: excited. Now you've been an awesome guest. Now I'm so you can first off,
1: could, uh, it's stopping, all right? I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> I have one
0: can I ask
2: one quick yeah, question course, for you? Man, of
3: course. Um, what kind of medical do you guys carry in the race cars? Anything?
2: Yes. So uh the rules say that we have to carry a medical kit. Um in mine, I'm basically carrying like a IFAC. Like I've got tourniquets, quick clot, Israeli bandages, that type of stuff. Um you know, like my, my fear would be, you know, we have a, a bad, um, you know, wreck and something ends up amputated or cut severely. So, um, that's it. The race tracker in the car is super cool. It's looking for uh, high G out events. And then it's also looking for like stop vehicles. And if you experience like a high G out on the tracker, it actually notifies race ops like immediately. Um so you know even if you're like unconscious they'll start sending people to you. Um the dude's name is Andy McDaniel. He runs Rescue 3 at uh, King of the Hammers and dude is a straight up badass. He is involved in the Ford programs. Um he's done all kinds of Baja stuff. Like dude knows his stuff and uh he, he's like I'm the guy that you never want to see on race day. Because, you know, like if, if you see me on race day, like you're having a shitty ass day and there's probably a helicopter going to be involved. But um, like, dude, those, the, they got it sorted. I mean, like we were ready, you know, to throw a tourniquet on something or, you know, throw a chest seal or something like that. Um, and then other than that, dude, I got to go ahead because you parlayed this so well and plugged the shit out of some goodies powders. Because um, I, I feel like the Richard Petty of Ultra 4 Racing um two years ago we're in remote pit two and uh Levi Shirley comes in and uh I think his car throwing a belt or something he's sitting there for a long for a long time and we were in the pit right next to him and he's like my head hurts so bad does anybody have like an Advil or something and I'm like bro I got a goodies powder and um and he's like what's that I'm like yeah dude it's it's like an Advil and he's like okay and I hand it to him he's like what do you do with it and I'm like you just you just take it? And he rips it open, and he looks at it, and he's like, do I snort this? And I was like, <laughs> nah, bro. Like, I wouldn't. Uh, you probably could. I would not. And I would. Like, like, what do I do with it? He's like, I'm like, bro, just pour it in your mouth, and then, like, swish it around with some water. And uh, anyhow, so he pops this goodies powder. the That night, after the race is over, I'm walking through the garage area. And we happened just to walk past him. And he's like, hey, 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 are you the dude that gave me the goodies powder? he didn't even say the goodies. Like, are you the guy that gave me that shit earlier at remote pit 2? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, man. He was like, What was that stuff? That's the greatest stuff I've ever had in my life. And I was like, What's well, a goodies powder? And he was like, He's like, Can you just like get that anywhere? And I was like, Yeah, dude, like just gas station, like drugstore, whatever. And he was like, You need like a prescription for that? Or like, like I, I felt like he was asking me to buy drugs. And um, I'm like, nah bro, you can just get those. And he was like, okay. And then right before hammers this year, he hit me up on Instagram and had sent me a picture of a box of like mixed berry goodies. And he's like, I'm (laughs) all ready for hammers. So So then Chris Ray is like doing his wrong seat Wednesday tech tip. And he's talking about how he like grinds up, ibuprofen or aspirin and like puts them in the water bottle or whatever. And I'm like, Hey dude, have you ever thought about putting a goodies in there? And he was like, Holy shit. Yes. Like I absolutely should have done that. So I got him turned back on to goodies this year. And, um, and now he's on that goodies train. So like, uh, uh, dude, a good like cat five tourniquet and uh, a couple goodies powders will cure what ails you.
1: Damn. You're... I got to look up this goodies powder now. It sounds like a fucking yep. miracle drug. All it's right.
3: The best. So, as Cody was saying, we're starting to wrap up. You know, <laughs> I know you're a dad. Yeah. What's your dad advice?
2: Oh my god, um, it happens fast, and everybody's going to tell you it happens fast, and uh, and then like you wake up one day and you're like, holy shit, they're all right. Like, I'm I'm way too young to have an 11 year old. Like I tell everybody, there's no way I'm old enough to have an 11 year old, and then I've got a 10 month old. And um I'm telling you, man, like enjoy it because you blink and you know, one day they're ten months and the next day they're in sixth grade and you're trying to work out some stupid math problem and you just wonder how in the hell, you know, it went so fast and where all the time goes. So I'd say my dad advice is just enjoy it because everybody's gonna tell you um it it happens quick and then one day you wake up and you realize everybody's a hundred percent right.
1: Hell yeah. I like that. Yeah. Luke, do you not? Was that that's your do. end, or you got some? I was to say, I, I was, was just was waiting. waiting
3: to get queued in. You know, <laughs> my uh, my takeaway from this episode is that time and money are interchangeable when it comes to going fast, but you got to hold on to the time that you have and enjoy it. So, you know, if, if you want to save some money you're going to invest a lot of time. Just make sure that that time is not being wasted when it could be better spent
2: elsewhere. Definitely. And and I've been a time guy, man. Cause like I I've had to be a time guy. I mean, we, I told you earlier, we, we worked 21 hour days for 14 weeks. Um, yeah. well, I, I wish I had a boatload of money and I could have paid somebody to do half of that stuff. But the reality was, you know, on our, on our budget, like if we were going to make it, we were going to have to make it with just, you know, hard work and grit and, you know, pulling ourselves up by our, our, our boot laces kind of thing. And, um, yeah, you're 100% right there. Um, hey, it's, uh, it's tough. It is tough. But what can
3: you do besides have a good evening?
2: Well, uh, I heard a trophy truck guy explain it like this. He said there's type one fun and type two fun. Type one fun is where, like, in the moment you're doing it, and you're like, hell yeah, this is awesome. This is the coolest shit I've ever done. And then type two fun is the whole time you're doing it, you're like, what in the shit did I get myself into? This is terrible. This sucks. This is miserable. Why am I doing this? And then and then a couple days or a couple weeks or a couple months goes by, and you look back, and you're like, damn, that shit was awesome. And um, we didn't get to Texas before I was like, Damn that shit's awesome, but King of the Hammers is for sure the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and it was super rewarding and if you want to learn uh you know like who you are and what you're made of and what you're capable of and that kind of stuff uh I highly recommend you do it. Like there's not a lot of opportunities in life to figure out you know what you're made of and uh you definitely figure that shit out when you you know sign up to go race that race.
3: Hell yeah. And on that note, we're going to end it here. Have a good evening, everyone.